guess uh, per some requests, not everybody's request, I don't know, um, I thought I'd do another impromptu uh, special episode of the Silver and Gold podcast, Zomcast. <laughs> Alrighty, um, well, what's been going on is um, I have had uh, jury duty for like three months since, I believe, October until uh, last week, which was uh, not a lot of fun. I only got picked twice, and one time I got uh, stricken. I guess they didn't like the cut of my jib. And um, so anyway, that's over. Uh, Went through a bout of about two weeks of this miserable flu, or whatever it is that's going around. seems like everybody's been getting. And, um, I mean, everybody everywhere, all over the world, all of our friends all over the world seem like they've gotten this goddamn flu. And it takes, like I said, I ended up going to the doctor and everything, and it still took about two weeks before I finally got over the whole thing. Um, Per, or par for the course, uh, usually... um, what I always do is, for some reason, I can't get it through my head to um, start at the top of my list on IMDb and go to the bottom, so the oldest stuff is first and the newest stuff is last. And I did that again, even though I <laughs> swore and I tried. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. Getting old. Um, so anyway, I do have some stuff that I watched. You know, throw out there. Um... I'm trying to think of anything that's going on that's exciting. Uh, I read some comic books. I read uh, the new Captain America. Still, I don't know. You know, I guess it's good to have stories that um, take their time to develop. And, you know, I mean, in the old days, you had the, the, the stories that ended in one comic. Like, they'd started, you know beginning of the issue and by the end of the issue the problem was resolved and then you have some now that um go on for like a fucking year or more you know they set these damn things up and give you little breadcrumbs and shit like that and then it finally all develops after a couple of years or something like that and i think that's what kind of the captain america thing is right now there's some shenanigans going on in there and I was just thinking the other day you know I'm kind of getting tired of it and I wish they'd wrap it up um, I finished the um, Civil War 2 um, epic you know fucking crossover series thingy or whatever um, I don't really give a shit I thought it was pretty fucking horrible it was much to do about nothing and then it's just going right into X-Men versus the Inhumans or whatever, you know, I don't know. I heard somebody else say this and I'm gonna, I was just thinking the same thing when I when I read it is uh I'm tired of Marvel comics. I mean, you know, there are heroes and villains. Uh everything doesn't have to be heroes fighting heroes. But I mean, you know, I always made fun of the of um it seemed like in the comic book world if um you see somebody that you know that's like your best friend or one of your good friends and you haven't seen him in a while, as soon as you see him, you start brawling. 
you know, you just start fighting and just start punching each other. And then after you have this big epic throwdown, you're like, hey, let's, what's going on here? How come, why are you here? You know, it's kind of stupid. It's, it's just kind of, I don't know, childish bullshit. Some of these people that write this crap, you know, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, let's get on to um, some movies and TV shows and stuff like that. I got this um, cheese, um, pimento cheese kind of stuff. And now there's a certain one that you can get at Walmart, and it has zero carbs. It must just be almost all cheese. Because the other ones that are pimento spread or whatever have carbs in them. This does not. Now, I will say this, and I don't have the name of it in front of me. I wish I did, because I would give you some advice to try this out. But I will say this. That cheese stuff, when I eat a hard-boiled egg... And I take a bite of the hard-boiled egg, and then I get just a little bit of that cheese and eat it at the same time. It's so fucking good that I could eat ten hard-boiled eggs and a whole tub of this cheese stuff. So I have to watch that, because it's a good combination. It masturbates my taste buds perfectly. But, if I just have the cheese, it's just not as good. I don't know what it is. It's that combination so anyway, that's just another thing. <laughs> Woo! Um, I as see, I'm trying to remember some of the stuff that I talked about in the last episode, and I can't remember because it was a while ago. Now, um, I have been watching The Wire, which was the HBO series that I heard so much about, but I never watched. And I started watching the first season. I really liked it. And now I am hooked. So I just finished season three. And um, I really just like this fucking show. Um, Dominic West, who was in, I think the movie was it Centurion with him and Fassbender, where they are the Roman Centurions and uh, the whole thing where the uh, barbarians ambush them and the only one left is Fassbender. And uh, he's they're chasing him through the snow and shit. Well, this Dominic West is fucking... He's good. Now, I did catch him. Uh, I, th- I believe he is either Australian or uh, English. I'm not sure. But um, uh, he plays this Baltimore policeman, uh, uh, Jimmy McNulty. And um, he has the, you know, the pretty much down you know, American accent. And then he was talking to this guy in the bar and he says, have you ever seen the Asian, the Asian instead of ocean? He says the Asian. And I was just like, wait a minute. Did he just fucking lose his accent totally? And I rewound it and he did, but he's still awesome. Um, Wendell Pierce as bunk. I love him. Uh, Lance Reddick. He plays, I believe the, um, the manager or whatever of the hotel that John Wick stays in, that uh, John Wick gives him the coin and everything, and when Wick has all the problems in his room, he has to call down to him and stuff like that. Uh, Sonia Son, who plays Kima, uh, she had a very, very super hot uh, sex scene in the last episode that I watched. I was like, Jesus Christ, man, that was fucking awesome. Um, I'm trying to see if other other people here that I just really want to give a shout out to that I really like. Um, 
Idris Elba, of course, is uh, one of the the main uh, baddies in this. He plays Stringer Bell. Uh, and, um, oh shit, what the hell's the guy's name that says she all the time? He, uh, I love when he's talking to Idris Elba because instead of saying Stringer, he calls him Strang. <laughs> Come on, Strang, she. Um, there was a new chick on this one that uh, McNutty is fucking. And goddamn man, it was, she was she was pretty fucking hot. I liked her. Uh, she's just one of these uh, ladies that uh, is like so busy with her career that she's kind of like a dude. She just wants to fuck, which is the way McNutty is. Like, oh well, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bubs calls him McNutty. Um, that's the way he is. But then he, it's like one of those deals. Like I had this situation one time with uh, quote unquote fuck buddies. Uh, had a friend, a a quote unquote friend, uh, and when I was um, up at my friend's bar and I like worked the door up there and stuff, um, she would get off work. She was a waitress. She would show up at the bar. We would either go in the back and dance, or she would just come pick me up. And I only lived like a football field, probably away from the bar, and we would go down to my apartment. We would have sex. And as soon as we were done, she would get up and, like, put her clothes on and be, like, ready to go home. And then it was kind of like McNulty and this, uh, god damn, I can't remember what her name is now. D, her last name was D uh, hyphen something. But she's a um, a political consultant to this other guy in the, in the show. But, like, it was the same way I was with this girl that McNulty is with this chick. Um, in the fuck buddy situation, it may start out buddies, but eventually one of the two people is going to want it to be more. And like McNulty, I ended up being kind of like the chick and I wanted it to be more. And the chick's like her, her quote, her literal quote to me was, um, she thought sex was like riding a bicycle. If you like doing it, why not just do it? And so, anyway, but, but, the same girl, and this was a long time ago, so I can say girl, I mean, she was college, um, saw me when, one night when I was waiting for her to show up, uh, I was just sitting at the, the bar talking to this other girl that just hung out up there, this girl who just wanted to be buddies, and no matter what, I, if I wanted to be more, uh, would be like, nope. It's just, we're just friends. We just are friends at screw. Comes in and sees me talking to this other girl, and I'm just waiting for her, and gets pissed. So, you know, they say whatever they want, but you know how, you know, it's just, just fucking, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I just thought that was funny that uh, McNutty and I have a have something in common. And I love him and Kima. Kima is uh, his lesbian kind of partner on the uh the task force or whatever they're 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 on and uh she's well like i said she's a lesbian and um i love their interaction about women and stuff like that like when uh mcnulty shows up um after uh, being out all night screwing this girl and he walks into the office and everybody's standing around the computer looking uh, at it at something on the screen and he leans forward and she just she just kind of sniffs him and goes you know god damn you smell like pussy 
<laughs> so anyway, I love that show. So I, I, I'm, I don't know how many seasons there are. I, I know, you know, I know there's a season four because I'm going to get it here. It's probably when I get done um, do, doing this recording because I want to continue watching. I, I hope that there's more. You know, I know probably there are only four or five seasons, but goddamn, man, it's so good. It's one of those ones that I'm just bulldozing through. And I know as soon as it's over, I'm going to be like, God damn, man, I wish there was more. Um, I have been watching uh, uh, Taboo, the TV show. I don't know if this is like a miniseries or if it's going to be like how long it's going to run. Um, It's done by the guy who does uh, Peaky Blinders, I believe. And I really like that. Um, This one, I still am not sure if I like it or not. I mean... I don't hate it. There's no disliking it. Uh, one of the reasons I, I'm watching it is because um, Tom Hardy is the star of it. Uh, but I'm just not sure that I really like and like, oh my God, this is so good. Uh, it seems like they, they kind of try and go for this um, eerie feeling and they keep talking about things but never you know like uh that um uh hardy's character delaney um he comes you know a bunch of people thought he was dead and uh they knew he was in africa and there's all these rumors of all the stuff that you know he may or may not have done in africa and all this crap and his his dad dies and uh the east india company which is this huge corporation. The one thing about this show is it kind of shows you how things really haven't changed. They're this huge corporation kind of uh, conglomerate or whatever, shipping, and they run all this stuff by any means necessary. And it's sort of kind of like the way things are today, and we'll get more into that uh, shortly. Um, But the first episode... You know, Tom Hardy shows up and everybody's like, oh my god, you know. Um, and he kind of plods around, uh, I don't know, looking menacing. But I, and I know the first episode is just kind of a, a, a build to what's going to, to, to occur. Um, some of the stuff, I just wish they would kind of. I mean, maybe, like I said with the comic, maybe I'm just being impatient. But um, if it's going to be, if it's called Taboo, and it's going to have, and not have Kay Parker in it, but maybe have sort of some of the themes that some of her movies had, <laughs> I wish they'd just get to it, you know? Come on. Maybe I watch too much porn. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Next thing I watched, after watching that, uh, <laughs> I cleansed my soul. I watched... Um, the greatest story ever told from 1965, and this was directed by uh, George Stevens, and it says David Lean uncredited, and David Lean, you know, did all these real well. Him and George Stevens both, you know, these big epic movies. Um, this is like a um, an old favorite of mine, and you know, I, I know that a lot of a lot of the people that listen to the podcast know my um, how I feel about you know, religion and stuff, and they think, you know, well, Zom, how can you, 
you know, you watch this movie or Ten Commandments. Or and I actually bought this and the Ten Commandments in the cheap bin. I bought the Ten Commandments as a Blu-ray because I thought this will, you know, probably be pretty cool on Blu-ray with my surround sound and everything. But it also has the regular disc in it too. Um, I just like those old epics. Plus the cast in this is just awesome. Uh, you have fucking Charlton Heston who looks, you know, I, I know Charlton Heston starred in the Planet of the Apes. He plays John the Baptist in this, and he almost looks like a goddamn ape. He has a fucking furry, like uh, Ivan Koloff, over, one strap over the shoulder, Tarzan, uh, like a... Uh, it's not a loincloth. I don't know what the hell it would be called. Like a cloak or something, but it's like fur. And then he's got a beard and black furry hair. <laughs> furry hair. <laughs> and he's just looking out there, like fucking baptizing people. And when the Romans show up to fucking to kick the shit out of him, he fucking like starts beating the fuck out of him. But he has a method to his madness because he's like the Baptist, right? So when he is fucking, they're trying to get him and he grabs them off their horses and shit. They're trying to fucking club him and take him in, and he's fucking dunking them. And he just keeps yelling, Repent! Repent! And I remember that from when I was a little kid, you know, and everything. And I just, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was cool. And I love Max von Sydow. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking, of course, of course, he plays Jesus Christ in this, and I'm thinking that I read somewhere that he really did not speak very good English or if any English at all, when he made this and he just kind of said his lines, which is fine. I mean, he does a good job, and you know, he's the, uh, of course, the Caucasian, uh, the Caucasian Jesus. Um, let's see who else is in this mother freaker. Uh, Richard Conte, who I've talked about on this show before, plays Barabbas, uh, and Richard Conte. He talks like this in all those film noir movies, like Ratatat. His his uh, his. Um, way he talks in, in those film noir movies is like somebody typing like short sentences, you know, Jose Ferrer, uh, Van Heflin, Charlton Heston, Martin Landau, fucking Pat Boone plays an angel. Uh, David McAllen plays Judas Iscariot, which reminds me of, uh, uh, Helsing, the, uh, um, manga that I'm reading. The, uh, the Catholic, um, was it the Catholics or the Protestants? I'm trying to think. I think Helsing. No, no, no. Helsing is Protestant, I believe. And the uh, Iscariot are the Catholics that are sent from the Vatican. They have their the uh, the Catholics have their own like special squad of uh, supernatural kind of killers. Uh, Angela Lansbury's in this too. Um, so, I mean, this just has a fucking all-star cast. John Wayne is in it. He, Carol Baker, John Wayne plays the um, uh, goddamn Roman centurion that uh, crucifies Jesus. You know, he truly was the son of God. But I just love this movie. There's certain scenes that, you know, like I said, I, I kind of have a you know, set aside, you know, my, my upbringing for, you know, the Christian religion. And, and I've said a million times before, as far as, um, peace, love, forgiveness, uh, loving your neighbor as you love yourself, you know, and stuff like that. That's to me is all fucking good shit. 
Uh, it's just all the other crap that perverts it. And then there's a lot of stuff in that Old Testament that's pretty fucking uh, scary and vengeful, the hand of an angry god, you know, the the uh, petulant child of a father in the sky that fucking kills everybody because you don't believe in whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I guess you get more of that in um, uh, Ten Commandments with uh, Charlton Heston as Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses. Uh, but anyway, <coughs> excusez-moi. I do love the um, um, the goddamn <laughs> the when uh, Jesus uh, uh, raises La- or uh, resurrects Lazarus in this movie is fucking awesome. Especially with uh, Max von Sydow, you know he's getting shit for for not coming back to help Lazarus when Lazarus is dying from Lazarus's sister, you know, and she's busting his nuts and um she says, you know, uh uh we'll all be um judged or whatever, you know, at the resurrection and he just looks at her and he says, "I am the resurrection." And I mean, even though, like I said, I'm not so sure about all this, you know, uh religious stuff and everything. Um the, the the just some of those scenes like that that are like the you know when they, they do the Lord's Prayer or the Last Supper and stuff like that um, the the music and the scenes and stuff and, and things are they it's just kind of like you know ah you know that was just fucking even as mythology as you're watching it like if you were watching a um, you know whatever a goddamn movie about Thor or something like that but I I just love Max von Sydow I think he's a pretty cool dude. Loved him in uh, uh, Three Days of the Condor. That was a good fucking movie. I can't remember if we reviewed that or not, or if we talked about it. I know somebody has requested it several times. Okay, now this one, people, there are often times where I start to watch a movie and I, I tap out. Now, I will probably go back and finish this, but... I started to watch 2011's The Beaver on Netflix. It's directed by Jodie Foster, and it stars Mel Gibson. Now, this came out like uh, right around the time, right after Mel Gibson had a lot of really drunken, uh, anti-Semitic shit, uh, sexist, really nasty stuff with like a female cop and and this woman that's the mother of his children and and just like racist stuff even like you know against african americans saying that you know something about her and her fake tits and he something i can't remember something about like her she deserves to get gang banged by like a bunch of african-american guys except he uses the n-word so i was pretty fucking repelled by mel gibson at this time and so i did not watch this um i like jodie foster um now like kima in the wire jodie foster i'm pretty sure in real life is a lesbian but for some reason jodie foster the older she gets uh, it's like the hotter she gets to me. I don't know why. And she she plays like a normal, you know, average uh, uh, American housewife, but uh, she's a hot milf. 
And, you know, I think that's okay to say that. You know, I don't care. The chances of me getting her, even if she wasn't a lesbian, are nothing. So um, I did uh, see some shots of her in Taxi Driver. And I think I said this maybe in the last episode because I watched Taxi Driver. Uh, you know, I know, I mean, she was a child prostitute. And she was a a child like what 13 or 12 13 years old when she made taxi driver and just seeing those you know pictures is like number one it's repulsive and number two um it reminds me of how old i'm getting because i think jody foster and i are probably close to the same age um i had to tap out on this motherfucker i mean um it i don't know if i would say it just wasn't working for me in general it was just um I don't know. The only thing that was really catching my attention was that, uh, first of all, Anton uh, Yelchin was in it, and it just kind of like breaks my heart every time I see him. I didn't know he was in this, and I was like, oh man, you know, just poor, poor guy, poor, you know, young guy, plays, uh, you know, check hits it really big with playing Chekhov in Star Trek movies, and you know, for what happened to him to happen. And I did get a recall on my car for the same thing, and took it in and got it fixed. Um, now, the other thing that I did not know was that Jennifer Lawrence was in this until I saw um, her walking down the hallway of her high school in her cheerleading uniform. And again, number one, I was like, holy fucking shit. Then I was like, holy shit, that's Jennifer Lawrence because she looked really super hot. And then, of course, it made me feel old again because I remember on like game day when the you know, cheerleaders in school would wear their cheerleader outfits to school all day long and stuff like that. So anyway, I'll probably go back to watching this, but the beaver, call me the beaver. I mean, I'm like, you know what? I was kind of hoping like, um, that Mel would, I don't know. And I, maybe it'll happen. I don't know that he would like fuck Jennifer Lawrence or, you know, Jodie Foster would, you know, have sex with Jennifer Lawrence or something like that. You know, the beaver. Um, like I said, maybe I watched too much porn. <laughs> I just couldn't get into it, man. I mean, it seems like, I don't know. This dumb fucker sitting there with that goddamn beaver talking. Oh. <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe I'll have more to review on that one at some point in the future. Uh, maybe I'll watch the rest of it and be like, man, that was fucking awesome. Woo! I wish I would have finished it. And I have done that before. And I have also watched an entire movie thinking and be like, you know, man, that movie sucked. And then go back and watch it and it grows on me. And I'm like, man, that was really good. You know, it just depends on what kind of mood you're in. And I guess I wasn't in the mood to watch The Beaver. Oh, I'm The Beaver. Uh, I like to have Jodie Foster and Jennifer Lawrence. Whatever. Anyway, uh, next thing I watched, I had never heard of. Um, it's called The Ghost Writer. Uh, I've seen on like a, on the one poster I posted, uh, it was just called The Ghost uh, from 2010. Now, this was uh, directed by Roman Polanski, and um, he did the screenplay too, but the, it's based on a book by Robert Harris, who I really like. Um, um, now, of course, we get into the Roman Polanski, the whole Roman Polanski talk. Uh, Roman Polanski is a fucking child molester, and um, I think he was actually convicted in absentia because he took off. He didn't want to go to prison because he was at Jack Nicholson's, I guess, house and had some young underage girl and put some 
roofies or whatever the hell he put in her drink, and then he had anal sex with her and screwed her and everything else. Um, so, guess you you know you can kind of have like a love hate relationship with Roman Polanski. I love his movies for the most part. Um, even like him as an actor, he was good in uh, Chinatown as the guy who slashes Jack Nicholson's nose. You know, hey, kitty cat. And um, also, I liked him with Sharon Tate, his uh, ex-wife. And it just, I, I, I am a member of a um, a page or a group. I keep smacking my lips. Maybe I need a drink. Hang on. This is Cinnamon Tea, by the way, Bigelow. Cinnamon Tea. Same uh, Catherine Bigelow, the movie person thingy. Gulp. Um, Polanski. What I was going to say is, uh, being a, a member of the that uh, one uh, Sharon Tate uh, group, uh, people post pictures of her, and she was so beautiful, and for by all accounts, you know, just a really nice lady. And uh, you know, every time I see those pictures and stuff, I, I guess you know, you you can kind of say, you know, maybe you should celebrate her life, and not just remember her. Uh, death and the sadness and how horrible it was and everything. Of course, she was uh, one of the people murdered by you know Charles Manson's family, um, and uh, was pregnant at the time. And you know it was just an awful, awful thing. And uh, I think that you know you can't you don't, you don't want to make excuses for anybody. But uh, as far as Roman Polanski goes, you know I couldn't think of anything more awful. That to to uh, to happen to somebody than to not only you know have your beautiful wife uh, you're living this dream life as this famous director you marry this beautiful stunningly beautiful model actress and you're you're expecting like your first child and to have her just viciously you know murdered and the scene was like a slaughterhouse something out of a nightmare. And not only that, but she's pregnant with your very pregnant with your your child. Um, it would just have to destroy a human being. And, and like I said, I'm not making any excuses for him at all. But um, um, like I said, I like his movies, and I watched this one. It's on Netflix Instant. Um, there was a lot of stuff that surprised me about this, and knowing that Polanski directed it, I shouldn't have been as surprised by how deep the cast is because he is a legendary director and you know people want to work with him even after you know all the stuff that went down um you have Ewan McGregor who is like one of my favorite actors you know just seem again seems like a just a great guy uh love him in uh you know Seem, you feel like you get to know him watching uh, Long Way Round and Long Way Down motorcycle movies with Charlie Bierman. <laughs> um, I was surprised that John uh, Berenthal is in this, The Punisher. You know, uh, he's in this. Uh, Jim Belushi, Tim Timothy Hutton. Um, there's a lot of pretty cool people. So you know, I'll just let you if, if you watch it and let you kind of you know see the people as they emerge Olivia Williams I love I am in love with Olivia Williams have been since Rushmore uh, I love her in everything that I've seen her in I just think she's awesome um, this is a very good movie I really liked it uh, I recommend it it's uh, like a lot of Polanski's movies 
it's not an hour and a half cut and dry, bam, 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 uh, and everybody's character isn't, you know, again, cut and dry. There's a lot of depth to the characters. Um, Ewan McGregor's character in this sort of reminded me of Johnny Depp's I guess if you want to say the hero of the movie, I guess the protagonist of the movie, um, Ewan McGregor's character and Johnny Depp's character in, I think it was The Ninth Gate, uh, which was a Roman Polanski movie, um, sort of the same kind of a guy, you know, um, as far as his how he is set in the movie. Um, so if you like that movie, and that was a good one too. I didn't mind that one. I liked uh, Frank Langella in that. Hocus Pocus Mumbo Jumbo. So anyway, I'm going to move on from that one. I watched 2016's Denial, which was directed by Mick Jackson and written by David Hare. This stars, stars another cutie that uh, I have had a crush on for a long time, Rachel Weisz. And uh, Tom Wilkinson, who uh, I wouldn't say I have a crush on, but I love as an actor. And um, also, it has, um, I believe it's Andrew Scott, and he plays um, in Sherlock. He plays uh, Moriarty uh, in the one with... um, Benedict Cumberbatch, and he is a crazy fucker in that one, and I just like him a lot. I've uh, that's an actor that um, this is. I think I've seen him in a few other things. I can't remember off the top of my head. Don't want to click on my IMDb and fuck up my fucked up list. But um, now this one, I saw the trailer too, and I was like, man, I want to see this. Ooh, it's courtroom, you know, Rachel Weisz and Tom Wilkinson. Um, <sighs> It's a true story based on a true story and about a Holocaust denier. And he takes this uh, lady, who's Rachel Weiss, playing Deborah Lipstadt. And she is a, um, an academic that uh, her field of study and one of her expertise is the Holocaust. And this guy's going around, uh, you know, claiming that it doesn't exist. I've watched several things uh one of the reasons i i kind of uh, I, I don't know if i'd say got into this holocaust denial thing or what brought it to my attention was i love phil donahue and i watch a lot of his old shows um some of the celebrity ones you know i was going to say the celebrity ones don't interest me as much but i watched one with lucille ball and um i'm trying to think who else like clint walker um oh my gosh burt lancaster there are several of them that have really really uh awesome you know, uh, Hollywood stars on there. Um, but there was one, uh, that had these Holocaust deniers and they were on these campuses, you know, passing out literature and posting things in the newspaper and having these speeches and stuff. Um, and so that's how I kind of got interested in, you know, not what they were saying. I mean, I respect their Ability, you know, the right to free speech to say this stuff, but it kind of, again, like I was saying about Taboo and the uh, East India Company kind of reminding me of some of the stuff that's going on today. Um, this kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that's going on today where uh, the alt facts, you know, where someone says, well, you know, you have these facts, they, you have the facts, and I'm offering up these other 
alt facts, which I call lies, bullshit, propaganda, and shit. Facts are facts, and there are only facts. Uh, in the face of um, proven evidence, scientific fact or um, whatever, you know, these people are just uh, provocateurs and um, propagandists. So, now on with the movie. I don't, I wouldn't say that I didn't like the movie. It's a good movie, but, uh, and the, I'm sure Rachel Weiss plays the character and they play it the way that sh- the, the actual uh, person was and how things, the, the events went down. But to me, it was like, you know, Tom Wilkinson's strategy is to, you know, is one thing and she's this outspoken woman who he tells her you know you know don't react i don't want you to speak up and of course then when this guy who is the holocaust denier is up there you know saying all this awful shit she wants to spout off or and she has to hold her tongue and everything and it just kind of goes along with that for i don't know it it was just average at best i mean a little bit better than average i think but it's worth a watch so it's on iTunes if you want to give it a peek. Uh, next thing I watched was uh, 1955's Violent Saturday, which was directed by Richard uh, Fleischer. And it stars uh, Victor Mature and Richard Egan. Now, um, I kind of just got on a uh, noir kind of a kick. And um, I just decided I wanted to... Uh, I got on iTunes and was just looking for some different things that I haven't seen and I always like Victor Mature so uh, that's the main reason that I that I picked this one uh, they always offer up um, several if you pick one movie they offer up you know if you like this you might like this this also has Brad Dexter in it who uh, I, I find kind of a fascinating actor character or whatever character actor um, because the first thing I probably saw him in was uh, Magnificent Seven and he was one of the guys in the Magnificent Seven that was like, okay, you know, you knew James Coburn, Yul Brenner, Steve McQueen, um, Charles Bronson, the you know, the, probably the four big guy, main guys, and then you had, of course Robert Vaughn. I knew him from uh, Man from Uncle, but you know, the he, he's like with Horst Borchholz from Magnificent Seven. Brad Dexter was kind of the lesser known guy in the group. Um, but then after watch, watching several movies, uh, he kind of ran with the, uh, the uh, seemed like he was like a friend of all the, of, of, of a lot of guys. And you'll, and you'll see him. He was never like a, the main star, but he was always like one of these guys that was in a movie. And he's a you know, pretty good actor, you know, big kind of burly, you know, guy. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I know I'm pretty sure it was in Ocean's Eleven, Frank Sinatra, and he kind of ran with that crowd. And I've seen him in some other things uh, just don't come to mind right now, uh, including, uh, God damn it, what was the uh, World War II, I think, prison camp movie that he was in? I remember him being really sweaty. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so uh, it might have been Von Ryan's Express. I think it was. That was another Frank Sinatra movie, so it probably was. They were probably pals, you know, when you have pals like that. Um, now, this movie also, and I did not know this until I started watching it, um, has uh, co-stars Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine. And so you had them in this, and then uh, Bad Day at Black Rock, and also um, 
Emperor of the North Pole, you know, where they had the big battle from with the A num- hobo A number one versus the shack. Uh, so it was really cool when I was watching this. Like, holy shit, fucking Ernest! I saw the. I think I saw um, Lee Marvin first, and then you know, I'm watching it like, well, fuck, Ernest Borgnine's in this too, man. It's pretty cool, you know. So anyway, it'd been awesome if they would have fucking been in the original Brokeback Mountain. That'd have been fucking awesome. So anyway, um, this is really good. I thought this was this was way better than I expected because some of these noirs, you know. Um, there's a lot of them that they kind of put out that were kind of cookie car, cookie cutter and kind of quickies. Uh, but this one, especially after I saw the cast and everything, the, but the, the story in this is really good too. Uh, Victor matures, you know, this guy, he's a dad and, um, he's a, a, um, like, a, this has been weeks and weeks ago that I watched this. I know he, he kind of, uh, is like a head of this construction, not construction, but like, a like this quarry and they're building a road or something. I can't remember what the exact story was, but then these guys come to this quiet town and, um, which is, um, Lee Marvin and his crew. And they're going to like fucking, uh, rob the bank and shit. And he gets mixed up in this and there's some stuff with his son and, you know, um, the other, it's like after World War II and like all the other kids, their dads had come back from World War II and had all these stories. Well, Victor Mature's character is kind of like the the guy that, um, because he ran the these um, like huge construction. I want to say construction. I'm talking like building roads, building bridges, uh, and stuff like that. Um, he was deemed uh, too important. So he did. the 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 government said, "You know, we 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 need you here." So he wasn't in the service. So the other kids would tease his son about you know their dad's exploits in the war, and then his dad never fought in World War II and everything. So anyway, you kind of have that dynamic, which was kind of a cool dynamic. Like I said, I like Victor Mature. Um, I like to have see him have sex with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Jodie Foster. <laughs> in his Samson, we'll go. We'll bring it around to the uh, more biblical stuff. And he played Samson, you know, Samson and Delilah. You know, he tear down the towers and all that shit. Or towers, not the towers, the fucking columns. Yeah, dig it. Okay, next thing I watched was a new, a newer movie. I got that's some new ones in here. You know, uh, Denial, and then this one is um, 2016's The Accountant. And this starred uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Anna Kendrick, J.K. Simmons, and again, uh, John Bernthal. I always say I want to say Berenthal, but it's Bernthal. Um, I did not see this. I'm not the world's biggest Ben Affleck fan. Now, saying that, I'm getting to where I like him more. Um... His acting ability is not that great. It's not horrible or anything, and of course it's gotten better. Um, I hear these people these days that are like, uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, and then, then they, after they get done burping, they say, Ben Affleck's the, the greatest Batman ever in fucking movies. Ben Affleck's great. He's better than everybody. He's Batman. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry, but that movie wasn't that goddamn. It was alright, but it wasn't that goddamn great. And I don't think he was like... I didn't get like this huge boner. Um, he kind of played more the Frank Miller 
uh, Batman, which I, I like that. You know, he wasn't bad at bad at all or anything, but, you know, the Christian Bale was pretty fucking good. I love wearing hockey pads, you know. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, and then I'm trying to think what that, that, that movie, The Town, uh, you know, which I thought was kind of like a, uh, I don't say a ripoff of Heat, but it kind of had the same feel, and I just did not... When, you know, Ben Affleck, when he gets all into that Boston fucking shit, he's kind of like uh, Matt Damon or um, DiCaprio or Wal- Mark Wahlberg. They get off in that Boston shit so much that it's like, ugh. You know, I'm sorry, okay, may- maybe you grew up there, maybe you have this fucking boner for the fucking Red Sox that is unparalleled, so you love everything about Boston. I mean, I'm a Flyers fan, but I don't fucking jack off uh, to everything Philadelphia. And so, and like I said, those guys might have grown up there. I don't know. But I didn't think he was that good as far as acting goes in the town. I thought it was pretty fucking ham-handed. And there was definitely the one scene that really just fucking, I'm just like, Ugh, when he was... He he fell in love with the the woman that was the um, uh, teller in the bank, and first he gets involved with her to find out what she knows. And they're sitting in some place, and he's like asking her these questions about the the people that robbed the bank, trying to find out what she knows. And it's so fucking obvious. He does it in such an obvious way, and it's like, and, and then you know, just some of the fucking dialect. I don't know, you know. This, uh, you know, I've, I, I know some people from fucking Boston that watch some of these movies, and they're like, "I'm sorry, but fucking people from Boston do not." The, the, it's like, uh, you know, somebody doing a really shitty fucking New York accent or whatever. Uh, I, I know people that that you know, even some of our friends that are on, you know, that are um, that are uh, parts of our movie group and our our extended kind of family that live in Boston that watch some of these movies and they're like, Jesus fucking Christ. You know, it's like they're doing a parody of a fucking Boston. But I what am I fucking getting all going off on this for? Anyway, um Ben Affleck in this plays a high functioning autistic guy and um he is an accountant, uh hence the name of the movie, but he's also an assassin. <laughs> Okay, now, I don't know, man, you know, it's cool to fucking have these movies about, like, ex-Special Forces, Black Ops, uh, CIA, you know, guys and shit, and they all have these fucking skills, you know, a specific set of skills, as Liam Neeson says, you know, but goddamn, Jesus fucking Christ, every fucking movie, pretty soon they're going to have, like, fucking a movie about a barber, and but he has a specific set of skills, and he can shave your face and slit your throat and fucking, yeah, and those fucking 50 different kinds of uh, keto and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, this is a pretty good movie, though, anyway. I, I, I enjoyed it uh, for what it was and everything. Uh, it was a little bit long. Um, what's uh, who the fuck? There's somebody in this that annoyed me, and it's Anna Kendrick. <laughs> I was just thinking of who it was, and then I looked. And I was like, okay, um, she is really cute. She's a cute lady, girl, lady, whatever. She's much younger than me, so I'll say girl. Uh, very cute. Uh, has no reason whatsoever for her to be in this fucking movie. For for her character to exist in this movie, uh, I don't know. They had throw in a little bit of love interest or whatever, and 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 it's not just that. It's just that she plays in this in this movie. 
she plays the same character that Anna Kendrick plays in every fucking movie she's in. And like I said, she's cute as hell. She has this little kind of quirky little personality and everything, but, you know, come on. Um, uh, J.K. Simmons is good in this. He's good in everything, of course. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor, hey now, uh, is in this. I wish it would have had more... I don't know. Is that... Oh, never mind. I was going to say something, but I didn't say it. I, I don't, I don't want to say it. Uh, hmm. Anyway, I'm just looking at people that are in this. But anyway, it's all right. It's not the greatest movie ever fucking made. <laughs> I guess that's my review. <laughs> but if you like, like, some fucking, um, you know, uh, if you're down with, like, the fucking chop fucking judo chopping and neck breaking and big gun shooting and shit like that and the guy with a specific set of skills if you like those kind of movies you'll like it Anna Kendrick doesn't get naked uh watched uh this my sister got me this for either my birthday or Christmas they're both so close together I never know uh it's called The Brainwashing of My Dad a 2015 documentary by uh Jen Senko Again, um, this is a good documentary to watch. If you and I, I, I don't think anybody really needs. Well, maybe you need to watch this if you are like a Fox News person. I'm not saying anything, but maybe you need to watch this. Um, you, if you, if you. If you are a compassionate, sympathetic uh, person who doesn't believe that uh, we should kill people all over the globe, and you believe that uh, there are, you know, that we should help our fellow man, including our fellow citizens, uh, and it's not being a pussy to want to help people, you know, that are less fortunate than us. Uh, you might want to watch this, especially if you can't seem to figure out why when you have relatives and friends or even just people online on, on certain groups that talk about politics or the news, how these people just are so insulated and so... Uh, I find them to be quite cultish. Uh, and they might say, well, you're like a fucking cult too, you lefty fag snowflake pussy uh, tree-hugging libtards. But the difference is, um, you know, on our side, we believe in facts. We believe in um, science. We believe in uh, doing good for our fellow man, you know, and not that not this really mean spirited angry hatred racism homophobia uh militarism uh islamophobia uh greed unparalleled greed so go fuck yourself watch this if you want to i don't give a shit <laughs> it's very interesting uh because the director has to deal with sort of the situation where her dad kind of becomes like what I was just talking about. 
Um, and that's what starts how what what gave her the idea to do the documentary. Now, I watched uh, several uh, the new season of Sherlock, uh, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Love those two together. Love these movies. Now, like I said in the last episode, you can call this a series, uh, but these are feature length. Each episode is a feature length film. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman as uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson are just fucking exceptional. Love them. Um, I love, if anything, now there were, uh, I have loved every um, episode this season. I have, I, I don't know if I should say a problem. I guess I have a little bit of a problem with one of the storylines where they took one character in this but the way that this is shot and um, how original the camera work uh, the film um, the cinematography just the ideas on how they shoot these these shows it's just fucking so entertaining uh, I highly recommend every all of these every season. If you if you haven't started watching them, watch them. This is good filmmaking. Okey doke. Moving on right along, I watched it in my film noir um, quest. I watched nineteen uh, fifties. This is a legendary film noir, The Asphalt Jungle. And uh, this was directed by John Huston, so pretty much you know it's going to be um, something special. Uh, John Huston, as a director, you very rarely see anything that he did that wasn't interesting and that wasn't a little have a, that doesn't have uh, a lot more depth as far as the storyline and the characters go. Um, and like I said, at this time. Uh, with these gangster cop film noir uh, movies, you have some really, really fucking just gems, and then there were some that were real B movies that were, you know, kind of th- some of them I still like. They're they're simple and uh, you know kind of cut and dry. Dragnet, as far as the TV show Dragnet, those kind of uh, that kind of. Uh, movies some of them are very short too like maybe an hour and 20 minutes long but i still dig them you know i'll watch them dig it yeah um this stars uh one of my favorite uh old school hunk of man chunk of wood hero guy uh sterling hayden i just love this fucking guy who just was an interesting motherfucker in real life uh you know uh, from working for the OSS and parachuting into like uh, Yugoslavia to help Marshall Tito and his his uh, partisans against the Nazis, you know, fucking just awesome. He's a fucking character out of a fucking you know novel. Uh, 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 the character of Bo Valentine in um, one of my favorite books, The Burkut, uh, which was written by Joseph Haywood. Um, Bo Valentine is an American six foot four or whatever, you know, uh, all, you know, American that 
like Sterling Hayden. I might have fucking based the goddamn character on him that parachutes, you know, behind enemy lines and shit like that, works with the partisans, and he's on this quest. There's like uh, three different characters on a quest to get to Hitler in the last days in the bunker in Berlin. One of them is a is a Russian who works for this uh, special uh, Smirsch unit or whatever the fuck it is. Is that fucking out of James Bond? But anyway, and then there's a, um, a um, Nazi SS colonel whose job is to get Hitler the fuck out of there. And then you have Bo Valentine who's, you know, pulling up the hind tit, you know, looking for, um, uh, they send him in to uh, find as many German scientists as he can, and he fucking just kind of happenstance onto this plot. It's a good fucking book. I love it. I wish they would make it into a movie. I wish they would have made it into a movie with Sterling Hayden as fucking Bo Valentine or whatever. Anyway, this is Asphalt Jungle. Um, this is a fucking awesome movie. It ranks right up there with uh, uh, The Killing, which also starred Sterling Hayden. That was a, uh, so a Stanley Kubrick movie. Um, this also has um, the fucking just stunningly beautiful Marilyn Monroe. I think this might have been like one of her first movies, if not her first movie. Marilyn Monroe is so beautiful and so special. And, you know, I see her in a movie and you, you can kind of just think, oh, you know, Marilyn Monroe, not think about her. And then you watch something she's in and you're just like, Jesus Christ, no wonder she was, you know, this icon, fucking icon, just just a beauty. I mean, and just had the sex appeal and the charisma and everything. Um, also, uh, an actor that I love from the old days, from like old westerns, old western TV shows, is James Whitmore. Um, he was in several, I think, episodes of The Big Valley with uh, Barbara Stanwyck, Lee Majors, and um, Richard Long, Peter Breck, and Linda Evans. One of my favorite shows. Uh, James Whitmore is just fucking awesome. Uh, I think he's in Battleground. He was in a lot of old uh, war movies and um, westerns and shit like that. And also in some noir because this is what this is. Um, who else is in this mother freaker? Uh, as uh, <laughs> I always say that because oh, Brad Dexter. There you go. Brad Dexter shows up again. Um, I like this movie. It's kind of like a caper movie where these uh, bad guys are kind of like, hey, let's uh, go do some shenanigans and we'll all make a bunch of money. And then you have uh, uh, some kind of, uh, like I said, the, 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 the depth of the story and, and some of the stuff that goes on. You have this uh, kind of rich guy who finances criminals in their schemes and he's married and has a wife and everything, but then on the side, uh, he's got fucking Marilyn Monroe as he's her sugar daddy. And it's like, Jesus Christ, can you imagine? You got a fucking uh, young chick, and it's fucking Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> it's like, goddamn, man. You know, woohoo. I'd, I'd be broke because of her, you know, I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, uh, Sterling Hayden is. Um, I like his character in this because he's kind of a I don't know uh, he's got a lot of flaws he's not the brightest bulb you know in the in the world uh, he kind of kind of reminds me of this of the character that he plays in the killing um, and he's 
man, I don't want to go too much into it because if you haven't seen this, you know, fuck man, this is one that you definitely need to get a hold of and fucking watch. It, it's awesome. I think this might have been the first time I've seen this for some reason. I thought I had seen it before, but I think I was thinking of something else. Uh-oh. Nothing changes. Burps, yawns, no farting though. Cutting out the carbs. So I did have some split pea soup yesterday for old time's sake. Uh, somebody told me I needed to, um, whatchamacallit, uh, treat myself, have a cheat day. And so my cheat day, instead of uh, eating pie or cake or ice cream or candy, I had some split pea soup. I'm fucking odd. And the older I get, the more odd I am getting. The next thing I watched was 2002's Die Another Day, uh, which is a James Bond movie, written or directed by Lee Tama. Tamahori, uh, of course, written by Ian Fleming. Uh, this one is a this is a Pierce Brosnan Bond, which I unlike some people, you know, like some people in our group don't like Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. Didn't like those movies. I like them, you know. I like Pierce Brosnan, and uh, kind of got me on a Pierce Brosnan kick. Um, and I, you know, was thinking back, not just the James Bond movies, but uh, like Matador and. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I really liked him in. But anyway, I you know I like Pierce Brosnan and and you know him getting you know, even after the James Bond where he's a little bit older, I like some of the roles that he's taken on and um, like in the Ghost Rider, he was in Ghost Rider with Ewan Ewan McGregor, um, plays a good character in that too. He's makes some good choices, I believe. Um, this also has Halle Berry in it, and now I have spoken. A few times about Halle Berry winning the Oscar. I'm not a big fan of that choice. Um, did not think she was all that great in uh, Monster was it Monsters Ball with Billy Bob Thornton and Heath Ledger. I thought that uh, they were good. Um, I thought Halle Berry. I don't know. Maybe I'm only judging her because the only thing I remember about her in the movie was the make me feel good, make me feel good, and Billy Bob fucking fingering her on the couch and then doing her doggy style and all that shit. Um, I don't know, you know, like in this movie, in movies like this, I think she is okay because she is stunningly attractive. Uh, she pulls off the short hair. I mean, like, some women can really pull off the short hair. And after Halle Berry had this, you know, the, 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 the short hair look, I don't like her with any other hair. I mean, she's so pretty, and she really pulls that off. And, of course, the the um, kind of the homage to um, Ursula Andress and Dr. No, where... Uh, Halle Berry comes out of the surf uh, in like this uh, orange bikini with uh, the uh, white belt with the with the diving knife around her waist. Holy shit, man! Ursula Andress was stunning. Halle Berry is fucking stunning in this. Um, like I said, she's she's good in a role like this. Uh, I hated her as fucking Storm in the X Men fucking movies, especially when I found out in the one X Men movie that she wasn't going to have that big of a part. And she bitched about it, so they gave Storm more scenes. And then when you watch the movie, it's like they mean nothing. And you can just tell that they're just jammed in there because she bitched. Uh, I never was that great. Well, I, I kind of liked Storm back in the first time, first days when 
X-Men 100 when they had the new team and Sauron fucking has her and Wolverine tries to save her and Sauron fucking uses his hypnotic stare on Wolverine and Wolverine fucking turns on the rest of the X-Men and tries to kill him, you know? <laughs> or even when um she was leading the Morlocks and fucking had a battle with uh, uh, the head of the Morlocks to, to see who got to be the head of the Morlocks. And they there were some issues where... I, I liked where they kind of did a departure where they, they really kind of went off on like a love story between her and Forge, which I liked that, and I liked the art in that too. But Halle Berry, meh. I did not like her as Storm, meh. Uh, Rosamund Pike is in this, uh, and I love her from, um, oh, what was it? Uh, was it Gone Girl, where she played the crazy fucking, no, that wasn't Gone. Was that Gone Girl? Oh, yeah, I'm getting confused with Gone Baby Gone. Because they were both Affleck movies. That was a good movie. I liked Affleck in that movie. Gone Girl. Um, Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl was so crazy that it fucking turned me on. So she's... I like her. And I like her in... Uh, what was the movie she was in? She played a warrior. It was the um, Wrath of the Titans. The um, epic... Uh, it was a sequel to Clash of the Titans, the new one with uh, that dude from Avatar, whatever the fuck his name is. But I liked her in that. She was badass. She was like a warrior chick in that. Um, you have Michael Madsen in this, which was kind of, it was just kind of weird seeing Michael Madsen in something other than like a Hell Ride and Reservoir Dogs. Larry, yeah. Oh, this, uh, and Michael Madsen is like a, this dust is the best dust that I have ever seen. What the fuck are you talking about? I gotta watch that movie again. I haven't seen it in so fucking long. Hellride was an awesome movie, and I do not, you know, let me tell you something about the GGTMC. Hellride is an awesome movie, and um, they know it. Uh, Samantha Bond plays Miss Moneypenner. I like her in this. Now, I like the, the, I cannot remember what her name is. I like the new woman in the, um, what's that jackass that's playing fucking James Bond now? <laughs> Daniel Craig. I shouldn't say that because the when, when they fucking first made the first Daniel Craig James Bond movie, it was hard for me to adjust because I was like, man, this guy, you know, I'm thinking Sean Connery and here's Daniel Craig. But I love Daniel Craig as James Bond, especially after Skyfall, which is so fucking good, it make you dick hard. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, this was fun. I don't give a fuck. I didn't think it was, you know, better than that one with fucking Denise Richards. Blech. Uh, and I, and um, that uh, Spectre. My friend Greg was watching Spectre, and I got to see um, what's her face. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, losing my mind. Let me look something up. Oh shit! Of course, Monica Bellucci. I didn't even have to look it up; it just came to me. Another woman that, as she gets older, I mean, holy shit, she is so beautiful, and she was so beautiful to start with and now that she's getting older and I'm getting older and she's uh, single <laughs> oh my god she fucking turns me on woof Ugh. And I, but I, it just, I, I, I thought she was underused in Spectre 
But I also thought that uh, I shouldn't be ageist because I'm old. Um, I thought Daniel Craig looked like it was like he was too young for her, but it was kind of hot. If they were going to do it, and they were going to have the younger guy, and she's the older, like a uh, married woman, get it on, man, get it on. <laughs> Got to get it on, you know. Come on, get into it. It's like taboo. Fucking get it on. Don't fucking play around. Jesus Christ, taboos. Fucking uh, it's it's supposed to be, you know, whatever. And this is fucking, you know, get it on. Uh, anyway, now I put this in my uh, couple couple things uh, that are uh, that are have gone down. I put this in my IMDb just as a reminder because I really like this guy. Uh, we had the uh, passing of William Peter Blatty. Um, a couple of movies that, um, well, based on his books, and you know, he directed The Ninth Configuration, which I fucking love. Um, Tinker, Tinker, Killer Kane, um, with Stacey Keach. That's a movie that's uh, right up there at the top of, probably in my top five. Definitely top ten. At one time, I would say my number one movie, uh, but I love Miller's Crossing. I love, um, oh, of course, Cool Hand Luke, The Hustler, uh, the goddamn Marlon Brando fucking movie with Carl Malden. <laughs> well, the other one with Carl Walden. Uh, not Streetcar. Um, God damn it. What the hell is that fucking movie called? <laughs> Jesus Christ. How can I not remember... I keep wanting to say Streetcar Named Desire. It's not Streetcar Named Desire. On the waterfront. Jesus Christ. Okay, whatever. Um, what am I babbling on about? But William Peter Blatty died. Uh, if you have not... Okay, I know a lot of you love um, The Exorcist 3 with George C. Scott. Read the book Legion, which is what Exorcist 3 is based on. If they could have made that book just exactly how it was written while... um, um, Jason Miller was still young, like right after The Exorcist, and had Lee J. Cobb. I I swear that would be a dream. I thought George C. Scott did a good job. I have some problems with him as a human being, but and Jason Miller kind of had a cameo in it, but he was it was made so much longer after The Exorcist that he was a lot older so they kind of had to do like a visual thing where they made him appear as the what's it was it Zodiac what it? it was um, the Gemini killer I don't want to say Zodiac but it was kind of sort of like that uh, the Zodiac killer or whatever but um, I think it was the Gemini um, man if they could have made that back when those two guys were still around and still you know in their prime that would have been awesome love the exorcist um that book was also awesome um he was a 
very good writer. Um, again, with the religious thing bent. Uh, when I was talking about the greatest story ever told, Ten Commandments, and some of the religious stuff we've talked about. Um, Blatty was raised, I think, Catholic, and so you get a lot of that in, you know, his the iconic, uh, you know, Ninth Configuration, The Exorcist, uh, um, and Exorcist Three. Exorcist Two is a piece of shit. I don't think he had anything to do with that. Um, he wrote the screenplay for Omega Man with, uh, it says Charlton Heston. Um, hmm, what else we got here? I never really looked down through this uh, filmography, and I'm only looking as writer right now because like again I don't want to fuck up my uh, <laughs> MDP. Uh, so anyway, let's move on. But William Peter Blatty passed away, and that, that just really kind of hit me because I was a big fan. And uh, you, you can watch um, some of his uh, interviews. Uh, I think he has an interview on YouTube about uh, Ninth Configuration. I think he did an audio. Uh, thing for maybe the re-release of that on DVD. I can't remember. And uh, probably Exorcist 2. So uh, check those out. Interesting guy. Another one um, that kind of hit me hard was uh, Mary Tyler Moore passed away. And I, like I said, I know this is a movie podcast. Of course, talk about TV shows, The Wire and Taboo and other TV shows I've been watching. But um, uh, Mary Tyler Moore was a huge part of my childhood. Uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show, and of course, even before that, the Dick Van Dyke show, where she played Dick Van Dyke's wife. Um, that one I caught in in reruns. You know, it was like uh, oh, all the old all the old shows you would watch after school or whatever uh, that they would show in reruns. And when you were a little kid, you didn't even realize they were fucking reruns. You just thought like I thought like you know, okay, I'm watching Gilligan's Island. You know, okay, uh, Gilligan's Island. But then you look, and Gilligan's Island was, you know. When I was too young, either before I was born or too young to really remember, but you saw him so much right after that in the early 70s and, you know, all through the 70s, you saw all these shows uh, in reruns. But the Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, I was there for, you know, the, the full run of that. That was a huge part of our family's uh, TV experience. Um and probably America's, you know, Mary Tyler Moore, Mary Richards on the show was, you know, fucking America's sweetheart. And I literally, uh, it was probably last year, got on iTunes and got the whole first season of the Mary Tyler Moore show and started watching it. And it is fucking funny as shit. Go on um, on Gilbert Gottfried's uh, Amazing Colossal podcast and listen to... Um, his interviews with Ed Asner and uh, who played Lou Grant on Mary Tyler Moore show. And then the spinoff was the show Lou Grant, which was, that was one of those series like Trapper John, Trapper John was, uh, or Trapper John McIntyre was uh, Wayne Rogers in the TV show mash. And then he left the show and then they had a show called Trapper John MD, which starred Pernell Roberts, who was Adam on the, TV hit TV show Bonanza much later in his career uh, and th- and that's how Mary Tyler Moore show and Lou Grant was of course it was still Ed Asner but on the Mary Tyler Moore show it was a comedy and it was funny uh, 
Lou Grant, he played the same character, and he was the the uh, editor or the head of the newspaper where uh, in a different newspaper, but it was a a lot more serious show, kind of like Trapper John was to the uh, Trapper in Mash. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore also because we can you know we say uh, you know um, about movies, um, she starred in Ordinary People and I think for some reason I'm thinking she won an Oscar for that I know let me see what it says here about the awards okay Academy Award for Best Actress she was nominated for um, Ordinary People Uh, Robert Redford won Best Director um, it won for Best Picture and Adapted Screenplay and uh, Timothy Hutton uh, won for Best Supporting Actor and he was, you know, just a kid then and which, I mean, this movie is just a it's a gut wrench, it's a heartbreaking movie it's so good and he was also up uh, for the uh, Best Supporting Actor with Judd Hirsch from the same movie I haven't seen this one in a long time, and like I said, this is one that really just tears your guts out. Um, uh, Donald Sutherland is also in that. It's just an awesome movie. But the thing about Ordinary People, um, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, since Mary Tyler Moore died, it's I'm just glad that I get to bring this up because it showed her depth as an actress because it really fucked me up, and I think it fucked up... Um, the entire, you know, America who grew up watching her on the Mary Tyler Moore show and the Dick Van Dyke show, she, because on both those shows that were lighthearted comedies, uh, and she, again, was America's sweetheart, and then she plays in Ordinary People this um, bitter, um, closed up, nasty um, just ice queen of a mother and it was like it was like when you would watch a I, I said this before on the um, the TV show One Day at a Time the guy that played David on One Day at a Time with Bonnie uh, was it Bonnie Franklin and Valerie Bertinelli and uh, Mackenzie Phillips he was such a nice guy on that show and that was a comedy and he was Bonnie Franklin's like love interest he 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 was he was in love with her and everything just the nicest guy on the planet earth and then the next thing you know I see him in this movie and he plays a child fucking molester on a made for TV movie kind of like David Soul in Starsky and Hutch and then he plays a rapist in the movie uh Rage the TV movie Rage about rape and uh, you know that's the place where they send the guys to try and reform them and that's how this was you had cute little lovable everybody loved mary and then she's in this movie and she was so good that it just fucked you up uh andy griffith uh you know on the andy griffith show and then he's in murder in uh coyota county with johnny cash and he plays this real life asshole racist piece of shit and that fucked me up too <laughs> so there was we have to have a have like a, a thing where people can put on the group uh 
actors that were iconic good guys on like TV or something that you just loved and then they play like a total a piece of shit so you know if you listen to this and you hear this you know if I could give me some you know some of those things that happened to you where somebody that you really loved from TV that you got to know and just was just an icon and then they just play like a fucking repulsive human being <laughs> but uh, you know and, and I know there were some I, I didn't look it up I know there were several other um, actors, I, I'm trying to think. John um, John Hurt passed away. He played in the Elephant Man, Midnight Express. Um, what did I just see him in recently? Um, shit. Oh, he played another thing. As far as like what's going on in V for Vendetta, he played the uh, fascist leader of the country. And I believe he was also up in 1984 again. Stuff that's going on now with Richard Benton. I think he was in that. Uh, he was in a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, lot of good stuff. Um, was it Jose Ferrer? I'm trying to thank people off the top of my head. You know, I know that, like I said, there were several people that have passed away here recently, and it just seems like uh, maybe they're getting out while the getting's good with all the shit that's going down. I don't even want to get in. I mean, you know, my God. I feel like we're living in the fucking Twilight Zone. We have a... Uh, Reality star, megalomaniac, fucking fascist, human vile, piece of shit. Um, a guy that's been, um, you know, he goes against every single thing that these supposed Christian family values people believe in. Everything, you know. He is a um, accused of being a fucking child molester, um, straight out of his own mouth, uh, a sexist fucking pig, and a um, person who admits out of his own mouth to sexually assaulting women, uh, whether they like it or not, just because he's rich and he says he can get away with it. Um, you know, there's just so much to say about this piece of garbage and um, hate monger, uh, reactionary, childish, petulant child, uh, just piece of garbage. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I guess, you know, we'll just wait and see what happens, see how things pan out. But I, like I said, I feel like we're living in a Rod Serling um episode of Twilight Zone or a, you know, Kafka-esque, you know, whatever, movie, novel, something. Uh, Moving on from that, let's let's get on a uh, something, you know, nicer about, you know, I watched another uh, noir noir from 1953 called Crime Wave. Excuse me, people, let me have another drink of this delicious tea. Mmm. This was um, uh, directed by Andre de Toth. Let me look him up because there was some interesting stuff about him. Andre de Toth. Um, Starring, again, Sterling Hayden, um, who I love, like I said before. This also has... Charles Bronson, or Charles Buczynski, actually, 
um, is in this, and uh, he plays a heel, a heavy, whatever you want to call him back then. Uh, who else is in this motherfucker? Dub Taylor, uh, who was in a lot of uh, westerns. Um, like I said, it's been a few weeks since I watched this. Um, one thing that I... Okay, Sterling Hayden is a cop in this, and um, they have some shit in this that... Like I said, I think that Andre Detoff, um He's like kind of like John Houston. I think there's some shit. Like he's one of these um, um, directors that um, he he had to be responsible for some of the shit that Sterling Hayden did because there's just some interesting stuff that 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 he did in this. Now, um, and I believe like he was like a cinematographer or something. But like Sterling Hayden wears this fucking tie. He's a cop right? He's like a gumshoe, hard-boiled kind of a cop. Kind of a, I don't want to say like Jimmy McNulty, because Jimmy McNulty is just fucking awesome. He's like kind of like a pervy, um, pussy hound, obsessed, you know, he loves his job and everything. Well, Sterling Hayden, you don't get that far with him as far as like his personal life, but he fucking is, like, he, he has his tie, uh, and it's like tied wrong. First of all, it's too short, Second of all, it's like it's turned around backwards. It's like this fat tie, but it only comes down. I don't even think it like comes halfway to his belly button. It's like turned around backwards. The little part is kind of in the front. <laughs> it just fucking cracked me up the whole goddamn movie. And then he he carries he has like a toothpick or a match in his mouth all the time. And then and, and he explains like a, you know uh, you know the reason. I carry this toothpick in my mouth all the time. It's because I like to smoke. My wife, she doesn't like to smoke. She doesn't like for me to smoke. So I put this toothpick. That's why I got it in my mouth. And then in the end, like, he fucking pulls out this goddamn cigarette out of his fucking pocket. And the son of a bitch, the fucking thing is so, it's like bent in half. And he puts his mouth and starts. Smoke it. There's just shit like that that just it's like Steve McQueen playing with his hat in the Magnificent Seven, or you know having a, an outfit just to, just to catch your eye, the attention. Like chewing scenery, I guess is uh, something that the Gentleman's Guide would. Uh, that's the kind of something that they would say. I don't know if anybody else. I guess people say that chewing scenery. I chew hard boiled eggs and uh, smoked herring. I don't know what that means. But Andre de Toff, I read about him after this because I thought, you know, I don't think I've ever heard of this motherfucker. And I would have had some really good information about him <laughs> if we had or if I could have reviewed this, like, after, you know, when um, when uh, I had watched it. But let's see what he's doing. Okay, he was a second unit director on Lawrence of Arabia. I think some people have probably heard of that. Play Dirty. Uh, I love that movie. We went. We need to review that on this show. We've t- I've talked about it, and uh, people have requested it uh, with Michael Caine. Uh, that is so good. 1968's Play Dirty. He was second unit director on Superman, 1978. The Mongols, uh, 1961. Boo, Bounty Hunter, Riding Shotgun, Indian, The Indian Fighter. Okay, I think that was uh, was that Kirk Douglas that I watched. Think it was. Let me look. 
that was the one that I watched with Kirk Douglas. So that's how I think that's how I maybe got this one is I saw him as a cinematographer and then I got this this one which took me to Asphalt Jungle which took me to Violent Saturday yada 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 I fell down the whatchamacallit the hole I fell down it House of Wax uh, I think that had Charles Buczynski in it and uh, maybe Vincent Price lots of stuff here Jungle Book he was second unit director on that um, The Dude was good uh, what's this? Uh, he received an Oscar nomination for best writing for the story filmed as the Gunfighter, and I bet you that's Gregory Peck, mother freaker. So anyway, Andre de Toth, I like him, I like him a lot. I like Sterling Hayden in this movie, and uh, Gene Nelson, uh, who I don't think I had ever heard of, maybe is. Um, of course, Sterling Hayden is the main guy. He's the cop. But Gene Nelson is um, kind of the bad guy that, um, if I could type, it would be awesome. He is the bad guy, but he's kind of the hero in this. He's the bad guy that wants to go straight, but then uh, uh, Charles Buczynski, who is, he's not the main uh Bronson's not the main bad guy. He's a he's a henchman. The main bad guy I really liked in this. What the fuck is his name? He was awesome. Uh, I believe that is Ted DeCorsia. Um, he and then Otto Hessler is Jay Novello. Um, but I really like that fucking uh, Ted DeCorsia. I've seen him in several different things, and he's kind of a a big burly guy. But he's a film noir guy, big time. But Gene Nelson is this guy. He belonged in that gang, and then he went to prison, and he got out, and he wants to go straight. And then these fuckers show up, and they're making his life miserable. They want him to uh, to uh, get back in the game. Is uh, is uh, Stringer Bell would say to uh, and uh, say to uh, Cuddy, but uh, he wants to go straight because he's got a woman. And these fuckers are, like, messing with him, dig? So anyway, Gene Nelson, I don't remember him in a lot of stuff. Let's see what else he was in. He was in SOB, and I believe that was uh, Jolie Andrews. That was a 1981 movie, and this is way back, so let's see what else he was in. At, uh, Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma, where the dick goes, dragging across your leg. Uh, what else do I know here? So he was kind of a... Not like a real top not top guy, I don't think, but it was a noir, the Atomic Man. I might check that out. Um, hmm, the Purple Hills, Thunder Island, Your Cheating Heart. Was that a uh, Hank Williams thing? Did he play Hank Williams? A young Hank Williams trying to earn money by pitching snake oil cure to the gullible uh, and all that shit. Your cheating heart will tell on you. That was George Hamilton. I remember that. George Hamilton played uh, Hank Williams in that. And um, he also played Evil Knievel. And I'll tell you what, people. Uh, say what you want about George Hamilton, who kind of became a um, like a character caricature of him, his own self. Uh, that fucking Evil Knievel movie was pretty fucking funny that he was in. I liked it. Awful can awful. 
Uh, next thing I watched was a documentary. Again, if you want to understand all this shit that's going on with Trump and Putin, Fox fucking news, alt news, uh, propaganda, all the way back from Nixon to Reagan to George W. Bush, if you want to learn all about all the agendas in the Middle East, all the shit that's going on in Syria, all the way back to the first Assad, the dad, to this one now, all the shit that's going on in Israel, and all the propaganda and how they fucking manipulate the facts, the shit about Putin and fucking killing journalists and all the shit about him and invading countries and stuff, watch a documentary. It's on YouTube called Hyper Normalization. Hyper, H-Y-P-E-R, Normalization. It's all one word. N-O-N-O-R-M-A-L-I-S-A-T-I-O-N from 2016. This is an Adam Curtis written and directed documentary and it is good it also talks about the distractions of media how the mainstream media has become entertainment thus where it used to they didn't it was a a a, a write off for the networks then when it became entertainment with entertainment tonight and they started making the nightly news and trying to make entertainment to get ratings. Then you have this asshole, fucking scumbag, soundbite piece of shit who says outrageous things and every fucking media outlet gives him all this free press, gives him all the airtime that he wants for nothing because they get ratings because, look, he's saying all this crazy shit. And then he ends up being the President of the United States, even though three fucking million more Americans voted against him. Whatever. Watch this documentary. It explains a lot of shit. This is not just something that just happened overnight. I watched 2016's IT, I period, T period, um, directed by John Moore uh, and written by Dan Kay. This stars Pierce Brosnan. Uh, also, who else is in this mother freaker? Anyway, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> there was a dude in this that is an asshole that is this crazy fucker and he is good at it. And uh, Okay, there he is. James Freshville. French Fretch. French Frenchville, like French without the N, Evil. He's very good as a weirdo. And then you have um, Pierce Brosnan's, the woman that plays Pierce Brosnan's wife, and the woman and the girl that plays Pierce Brosnan's daughter. Uh, two hotties there. <laughs> Dig it pretty good movie it's about what you'd expect it to be it's nothing not like great but it's uh along the lines of kind of like a i shouldn't say a paranoid movie but with all the 
surveillance and hacking and IT shit that's going on. Um, it's about what you would expect, uh, but it's still it's worth a watch. And like I said, that one kind of got me down the Pierce Brosnan rabbit hole. Uh, I think I already talked about this one, but I will... I don't know. I watched Collateral Damage with Arnold 2002. This one eluded me for a while because I think this might have been the one that he made right before he became governor and stopped making movies for a while. And then he came back and made that one with uh, Johnny Knoxville. And... I never watched that one. Loaf said it sucked, and um, I just thought it looked uh, too tongue-in-cheek for me. I got back on the Arnold thing with um, Sabotage. Sabotage, as William Shatner would say. This is uh, Andrew Davis, directed and written by Ronald Roos. Um, stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, John Leguizamo. Um, it has Elias Coteus in it, who I really like. Uh, I always thought of him especially in his earlier roles as a poor man's Robert De Niro, because he kind of did the Robert De Niro face all the time. John Turturro's in this. There's got a pretty good cast. I mean, you know, because I guess Arnold, you know, people think, yeah, what the fuck, you know, jump on that Arnold thing. Uh, that one dude, Cliff Curtis, he plays the uh, villain in this, and I didn't like his hair in the first part of this. When he's in the jungle in, like, South America, and his hair looked a little too... Um, I don't know, like styled and poofy and, you know, it's fucking uh, humid and shit down there in South America in the jungle. He's a uh, terrorist or a freedom fighter, whatever you want to call it. Francesca Neri is in this, and she's too, I think she's too hot for the role. She's got them big old pillow lips. She was in um, that post-apocalyptic movie that was kind of like Mad Max, where she's the black ops special forces woman that goes behind goes into the uh, escape from New York like prison colony and she has the one eye that's kind of like a bionic eye or something and then she was also the chick that replaced Kate Beckinsdale in the prequel to that goddamn vampire werewolf stuff that Kate Beckinsdale has the latex pants that make me so happy but I think she's just too pretty for this. And, you know, she's so, she's very good looking. Nothing wrong with that, but, you know, I'm sorry. But she's down there in the fucking jungle and she looks like a goddamn fucking model or something. Got them big lips. Nom, nom, nom. And suck on them. Anyway. <laughs> I watched 2016 now. And now we're getting into the... Uh, I don't remember if I reviewed this or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. You guys want another fucking show, so you get this shit. Um, 2016's Dog Eat Dog. This is a Paul Schrader movie. Paul Schrader making a uh, comeback, and this is uh, based on the novel by Edward Bunker, who was Mr. Brown from um, Reservoir Dogs. He was also in the um, Willem Dafoe... Edward Furlong prison movie Animal Factory that uh, Loaf and I reviewed. Uh, good writer. He also, I believe, wrote Straight Time, which is the awesome Dustin Hoffman movie with Harry Dean Stanton and Gary Busey and uh, what's her face? That one, what the hell's her name? That was in Misery. 
She was real cute and young in this one. But anyway, Dustin Hoffman movie, Straight Time. Edward Bunker wrote this. So um, I did not know that when I was watching it. I just knew it was Paul Schrader. Uh, at first, I didn't even know it was Paul Schrader. I just thought, okay, here we got Nicolas Cage. It's on Netflix. Nicolas Cage makes some straight-to-DVD movies. And, you know, I like, I'll watch him just to see how over-the-top he is and how crazy he is. But then I'm like, okay, man, I love Willem Dafoe. And so, you know, fuck, maybe this is good. Then I saw Paul Schrader, and I was like, okay, well, i got to watch this, you know. Um, this is, if now that I know that Edward Bunker wrote it, I can see his style and everything all over it. Um, he was a robber, you know, would not only a career criminal that was in uh, like uh, San Quentin with Danny Trejo or Folsom or wherever the fuck I think it was San Quentin. Uh, he was Danny Trejo's mentor, um, not as an actor but as a criminal. Uh, he. His forte was writing um, or coming up with crimes, and then he would sell the 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 idea. And he was so good at like coming. I mean, he would do like the whole thing, like from beginning to end. Okay, here's the place to rob. Here's how you rob it. You need at least this many guys. You go through the wall here. There's an alarm here, but if you're in and out in a certain amount of time, blah, 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 blah. And so that's one of the things that he did, um, I think, before he went to prison. And that, and he sold these burglaries and robberies and stuff to Danny Trejo's nephew, or not nephew, to his uncle, and also to Danny Trejo later on, and then they were in prison to get him. And Danny Trejo were in prison. Uh, his uncle Gilbert, Danny Trejo, and Edward Bunker, I think, were all in prison together too, and probably did some smack because Trejo's uh, uncle was a heroin addict, and Trejo was got into doing that shit too. But if you watch um, Danny Trejo's documentary, can't remember what the fuck that was called. But it was really good. So if you get a chance to watch that, check it out. This is just craziness. Um, It's a nasty fucking movie from the very fucking beginning. At first I thought, okay, is this going to be a comedy? And then throughout it, I was kind of like, okay, is this supposed to be a comedy? Is this supposed to be funny? But it's so nasty and mean. And um, you're not talking about criminals that are... Like I was talking about the movie Heat where Robert De Niro is this master criminal and um, he has this crew that are professionals that are almost like a military operation. These guys are more along the lines of um, maybe a Reservoir Dogs or like Straight Time. These guys are street criminals that they are career criminals that have been in and out of prison and they're not like the smartest guys in the world they're not the dumbest either but and they're definitely not nice people uh i might watch this one again because it's it's not a bad movie and it's got some nasty shit in it and like i said now that i know that edward bunker wrote it um 
I don't know, man. It's just kind of like uh, I believe that this would be how real nasty ass fucking dirty stupid asshole scumbag criminals are. <laughs> 2016's Dog Eat Dog. So it's it was on Netflix uh, when I watched it. So uh, instant watch. So you might get a chance to check it out. Uh, I watched 2016 also on Netflix. Riff Riffhagen, uh, directed by Peter Kuchpers. Uh, this was written by Paul Jean Nielsen, and it stars Lisa Zwierman and Sigrid Tenapal. And Joran von Koningerbruges. I don't know how you say any of that shit. Okay, this is a true story. Uh, it's, and it's uh, worth a watch. I recommend it. It's, um, let's see here. Wait a minute. I want to check, check on something here. Oi, por caro. You want number one, fucky fucky? Dead air. See, now... No, motherfucker, I'm spelling that right. I know I'm spelling it. Maybe I'm spelling something wrong. Because why isn't this coming up, you cocksucker? Cocksucker! Again, I don't want to fuck up my IMDb. Alright, I should sing a song or something. But I can't, because I'm fucking doing this shit. Eh? Alright, I've almost... uh, Okay, there we go. Okay, this was directed by... uh, why the fuck did they take me on this wild goose chase? They have oh, it says if people who like this would like siege at um, uh, Jadotville, which was the uh, I think uh, Congolese um, Belgian mercenary fucking Netflix movie that I really liked that everybody's watched and liked. I think, maybe liked. Uh, I thought maybe this was the same director, but it's not. It just says if you like that, you'll like this. Um, This is a true story um, about this dude named Dries Riffhagen. Dries Riffhagen. He is a policeman. He's a Dutch policeman. And I don't want to give too much away. It takes place during World War II. And... um, his dealings with the Jews and with the SS and the Nazis and all this shit that goes on. Um, It's very interesting. I had never heard of this guy. Um, Did not know the story at all. Did not know how it was going to end. And um, at first... You know, it's kind of like a Schindler's List kind of a movie. There's some stuff that goes on in this. Uh, Just watch it. Uh, It's very good. Um, I thought it was good. And it's not what you expect. Riffhagen. R-I-P-H-A-G-E-N. That was on Netflix Instant. 
Okay, next thing I watched again, I'm I'm getting down the end of my list, so I'm not like again, I'm not sure if I've, I've talked about this one, but it's uh, another Netflix movie, uh, not Netflix movie, but it's on Netflix Instant, 2016, Call Me King, written and directed by R.L. Scott, and this stars Amin Joseph, Bayling, yes, Bayling, Chris Mulkey. Bill Cobbs, Gabrielle Dennis, Jonathan Little J. McDaniel, Sean Mixon, Monique Thompson-Scott, Sean Riggs. I don't know any of these people. Anyway, okay, here's the deal with this movie. I think that somebody had... R.L. Scott, obviously, is the writer and director, had aspirations that they were going to make a an epic kind of Godfather-esque um, movie. Uh, kind of um, an African-American Scarface sort of Tony Montana Godfather-like movie. And it all revolves around this dude, uh, Rees. And he is um, this very suave... Think of, if you've seen The Wire, like Stringer Bell. He's this very suave, well-dressed, well-spoken, super intelligent guy. And he works for this mafia, Italian, Cosa Nostra mafia um, godfather and that runs this family. And and he, like I said, you know, he's an African-American guy. Um, and when this godfather, and he has his own crew, and he's so well respected by the godfather of this family that when the godfather has I'm not giving anything away this is the first very just setting up the movie the very first part of it he has like cancer or brain tumor or something he knows he's going to die and he only has a short period of time he has the son that's a total piece of shit asshole loser um, rich spoiled violent dick son and he's going to turn over the family because he knows he's going to die and this is unprecedented in the history of the American Cosa Nostra he's going to turn it over to Rees who's this African American guy with this crew of brothers and the son of course fucking can't, goes crazy he's like whoa what the fuck you know but even though this is a really ambitious movie and I like the style of it. It's got martial arts in it. It's got a lot of like fighting martial arts, kind of like uh, Michael Jai White kind of stuff. Um, it's very stylistic, but it's two hours long. It's it's overly long. Um, you can just tell. You can just 
feel and smell it in this movie that they want it to be this important movie. Everything that anybody says is like they're speaking like philosophy and they're just they they're not there's nobody that's just like talking off the cuff. It's like um and then they talk like this. Lawrence of Arabia was a very smart and intelligent man too. But when he fought, you know, it's it's just everything is somebody speaking like they're reading The Art of War by Sun Tzu, you know. Sun Tzu writes The Art of War. I'm fucking talking like that too. Um, but he talks, Reese talks like this throughout the whole movie. And that makes me have to have a drink. Um, it's worth a watch. Bay Ling is in this, and she's not bad, but I don't know why she's fucking in it. She's kind of has this odd, um, she plays this character, and I'm not sure why she's in it. It's not bad, or I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's 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 worth a watch. I I can't put, I shouldn't say I can't put my finger on it because when I was watching it, I was laughing at how important this movie wants to be, but how, like, they go out of their way. Like I said, it sounds like every character in this movie is this deep thinking person that reads, um, von Clausewitz, von Clausewitz, um, the art, also the art of war, and um, what other fucking books? Goddamn Nietzsche, uh, uh, everybody, everybody but the goddamn son, who is this Guido asshole, total piece of shit. I watched it. It was worth a watch, I guess. Now this movie coming up, this is—I mean, I guess this was—I think this maybe was when I was sick, because I watched some shit. <laughs> Oh, it's 2003's Cradle to the Grave, and that's Cradle, the number two, the grave. This is uh, Andres Bartquat, Bart Owiak. Andre, Andres, Andrej Bartwiak. Written by John O'Brien. This stars Jet Li and DMX and Mark DeCoscos. It also has uh, Gabrielle Union in it, and just for that alone, it's worth a watch because she is so good looking. It is, she is so good looking that it is. It makes me just like, God damn, whatever she's in, even if it is like some fucking bar. I don't even know, like a one of those barbershop movies, and I don't even know if she's in one of those, but like some of these fucking um, rom com movies and stuff like that Jesus Christ she is stunningly good looking what a body what a face she is hot okay Jet Li is in this DMX um, I'm trying to think about what this is about Tom Arnold is in this that motherfucker must have done so much coke that he blew his nose out because he talks like George Jones sings he only can talk through his mouth now, George Jones actually sang through his nose. Tom Armfield. Tom Armfield. <laughs> That's a guy I work with. Tom Arnold can only speak and breathe through his mouth. So, And he was such a fucking drug addict, such a 
cokehead, I think, when he was with Roseanne and even before that. I have to think that he has a deviated septum. And the way he acts in this movie, I wouldn't be surprised if his nose just wasn't packed full of cocaine because it sounds like it's stopped up. He never closes his mouth. He fucking talks a, a mile a minute, breathing through his mouth. And it's like, dude, are you on fucking crank or what? Okay, this movie isn't that good. I don't remember that much about it, except that it was stupid. Um, Of course, Jet Li does like a lot of the really fast, you know, fucking, you know, martial arts and just can fucking stand there, dodge. Like somebody is like punching him. He doesn't even have to fight back, put one arm behind his back, just fucking dodge everything until they're fucking either tired or they run into walls and stuff. DMX somehow has, like, I guess, honestly, got people. I'm assuming he was a hip-hop, like a rapper, I think. I don't know anything about him other than my friend Randy said he's the shittiest actor he's ever seen. (laughs) That's saying a lot. I don't know. Maybe there are shittier actors than DMX. Um, He seems to have almost, like, superpowers in this. I know that because Jet Li can do martial arts and they kind of are on opposing sides but then kind of become like uh, allies. DMX is doing some shit in this that there's no way that DMX, you know, the actor or even the character, the human being could fucking, any human being could do. Um... I remember in this, I'm trying to remember some of the shit that happened. It's kind of stupid. It's oh, it's not kind of stupid. It's really stupid. There is one part where Tom Arnold takes DMX to this underground fighting place, and they're looking for some dude that has a ring, a special ring. I don't know what. I can't remember what the fucking shit is. A jewel thief's daughter is kidnapped after he steals a collection of prized black diamonds, which aren't all what they seem. That's the synopsis. I remember that somebody kidnaps, I think, DMX's daughter. (laughs) He's a criminal, and I believe that Jet Li is a policeman from Hong Kong or something like that. Anyway, so they have to get together to uh, DMX, Gabrielle Union, and this other dude are like a, a master jewel thieves like they know how to crack a safe and do all this shit uh they take jet lee tom arnold takes jet lee to an underground fighting thing it's like ufc and it's funny because it reminded me of uh danny the dog which i liked that that was a good one uh with uh jet lee um and i watched that with one of my co-workers and uh he came in halfway through it i said watching a jet lee movie and he's like oh man cool a jet lee says down he after we watched danny the dog he's like fuck i thought he was gonna watch a jet lee movie i didn't know i was watching a fucking chick flick i loved fucking that movie you know that was good shit um jet lee ends up getting entered in this uh ultimate fighting fight thing and he fights like uh randy couture and then big fucking giant head. Uh, what the hell is that fucker's name that's married to Jenna Jameson? Tito Ortiz shows up. He must not have been in like really good shape because he had a fucking t-shirt on. His head is so fucking big. Then there's like about ten fucking UFC guys. 
end up in the cage trying to beat up Jet Li. And of course, he fucking just either beats the shit out of them all or runs up the side of the cage and does all this acrobatic shit. Just it's so it's really stupid, but it's so dumb that it's worth watching. DMX. I'm gonna check him out and some other stuff. Watch Hard Candy from 2005. This is where I'm really getting to. I think I might have talked about this, but uh, I like Hard Candy. Some people on our group and in Gentleman's Guide fucking hate this fucking movie. I don't know. I don't understand why people hate it so much. They're like, it was just so stupid. A little girl wouldn't act like that. Or it's just like, whatever. Like, I don't know. I thought it was good. I've watched it. I don't know how many fucking times. I like the Little Red Riding Hood kind of a thing. Patrick Wilson. It it took me into a Patrick Wilson wanting to watch Patrick Wilson movies. Um, I really liked him in this. I like how she fucks with him. I fucking hate child molesters and shit like that. And I like seeing some piece of garbage motherfucker get his due. Ellen Page, this was, uh, I really liked her in this. And I like, what was that other, uh, she kick ass? Uh, no, she was in the, wasn't she in the one with Rain Wilson where he was a superhero? That was sort of like kick ass, but it was really violent and mean and dark. I don't know what the fuck else she was in. <laughs> but anyway, I think I'm at the, I think I'm at the part of the list where I, I think I did review this because people were giving me shit. Not getting, they weren't, you know, nobody was giving me shit. They were just like saying there were some people that are, that I remember over the times that I have talked about watching this movie uh, before that hate this fucking movie. I liked it. I make no, oh, she was Juno. And she was in Inception. What else is this fucker in? She's odd, look like a, she, she really pulls, like I was talking about Jodie Foster playing like a 13 year old prostitute. Ellen Page can really pulled off the uh, character in this because, you know, when you're at that age where, and this is why, you know, I don't understand, definitely pedophiles that having sex with, like, prepubescent children. But even, like, a kid that's, like, 12, 13 years old, there's not much difference in looks between a boy and a girl. Um, a little boy and a little girl and Ellen Page, you know, it's just like wow, makes you like Patrick Wilson's character is kind of um, you know, he's being subtle, but I mean if if, if it was like a, a, a of age woman that he was talking to, he's flirting with and stuff, but it's this little kid and it's just like, what the fuck but I mean, you know, it's a character or whatever um, anyway, that's his, his character, what else was she she played. She plays Kitty Pride in the X Men movies, which is doesn't really. She didn't really do much in those. I, you know, it's kind of like what the fuck are you even. Yeah, it was Super in the movie Super with Rain Wilson, plays Dwight Schrute on uh, what you call it, The Office. Uh, I don't know what else she's been in that's been any good. <laughs> she was in Trailer Park Boys. I didn't know that. That was that was way back. That was before Hard Candy. Uh, 2001, 2002. Uh, Hard Candy was 2005. I think she, after Juno, like I said, she was in those X-Men. Well, Whip It. I liked Whip It with the Roller Derby movie. I really like that, I don't know if I've talked about this or not, I really like that 
roller derby there for a while and i don't know if it's maybe i haven't been following it as much uh i've posted some uh videos of um some like the the uh women have this um you know everybody knows i'm into motorcycles uh um they have a um, motorcycle like rally kind of out in the desert called uh, babe's ride out and i posted some videos about that like go, uh what caught my attention was this gopro the camera gopro uh, some of these ladies did a, a GoPro um, video short film uh, about Babe's Ride Out, and it's only women are allowed to go. Uh, and you see all these different kinds of motorcycles, from uh, Triumphs to Moto Moto Guzzi, um, Harleys, of course, um, just about anything you can think of. And um, I, there's some people in the in the bike community i i'm kind of more of a uh i don't know motorcyclist um i'm not like a you know of course you have the outlaw motorcycle guys that are the real deal outlaws you know they have like mcs and stuff like that um and then you have like a kind of wannabe guys like that that uh do the whole harley thing that are like you know whether they're businessmen i don't give anybody any shit about anything because you know whatever you like is what you like and i'm talking more along the lines of like fashion and stuff there's a whole segment of people that um that really get into that look the uh the biker look as far as wearing you know the black chaps or you know, like black leather, kind of like a, a, a um, I don't, I don't want to say stereotypical biker look, but the um, that kind of um, the big Harley hog uh, biker look with the black chaps, the black leather, you know, whatever jeans and stuff like that. For me, like uh, when I say motorcyclist, I'm thinking more along the lines of, uh, like I said, like long way round. My bike is an adventure tour bike. It's a Yamaha Super Tenere. Uh, a lot of guys that ride those adventure tours or they're like a big bike but they um, can go off-road on-road you can ride them long distance um, uh, be it like the the bikes that uh, Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman rode were BMWs Ewan McGregor's a they they picked the uh, they got down to like uh, I think a KTM and um BMW to ride in long way around and long way down, but the funny thing is, is uh, Ewan McGregor is um, a huge Moto Guzzi uh, fan, and that's a that's a, a, a motorcycle. Um, and he actually is a spokesman for Moto Guzzi, or uh, you know, some people say Moto Moto, Moto Guzzi because that's how it's spelled: M O T O and then space G O G um, G U. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> oh, sorry. I should have hit the sneeze button. But Moto Guzzi, G-U-Z-Z-I, but then, I guess the, the, the <coughs> excuse me, the Italian pronunciation would be Moto Guzzi, which I want to get one. Uh, they have this, uh, they have this, um, Series that's um, <clears throat> I think it's only like a 750 cc bike. It's not a real fast bike or anything. There's one called a Stornello, and it's uh, they only made like a thousand of them. Um, it's it's a little bit more. I think a new one. 
Uh, when they first came out, it was like ten grand, but I've seen one I got my eyeball on, and it's uh, they're selling it for um, I think about eight, and uh, then the exact same bike, but it's not the the Stornello. Uh, they have a, 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 a few different styles. The Stornello is more like a Scrambler, and then they, I think they have one called a V7. That's a scrambler. It has more like a off-road look, and the and the exhaust comes up, and it's like right under your leg. <clears throat> Whereas um, the other ones that are the same size and the same style are more like a, sh- a smaller street, like a street bike, but the exhaust are down by your feet. And uh, I've been really looking at those. Um, I want to trade one of the bikes that I have and, and my big cruiser get that but um like i said what i was saying about like a motorcyclist uh to me is somebody that's more they don't go into the and like i said there's nothing wrong with it's just more a style thing um i wear gear that is um protect more protective gear of course i wear like a full face helmet um uh, also uh, my jacket has the armor in it um uh in the uh, elbows forearms shoulders the the back um, even in the front, you can get, you know, with the chest and everything. Cause I mean, you know, you can get a lot of trauma and like they said, you know, uh, I was always taught by like my gurus, my friend, Mike and my friend, Rich, um, who ride BMWs, um, protections, not if you have an accident, it may not keep you from getting hurt, but it, it will minimalize it could minimalize like as far as road rash you're not going to get that um but um there's some people that refuse to wear anything like and some and even that go the gopro short film you see a lot of the girls and and they get a lot of shit for it uh for being quote-unquote hipsters there's a um and I'll take this back to to the movies. Like I said, the Go GoPro thing is a short film, and there's a lot of not just motorcycle stuff, but like uh, there's a lot of GoPro short films where people have made their own short films that are on YouTube. And those GoPro cameras are awesome. Whether you're surfing, uh, mountain climbing, anything like that, skateboarding, there's a lot of stuff like that's really cool for with those GoPro cameras. Um, but uh, there's people like. Uh, really get nasty and shit like if you look at that babes ride out youtube um short film at the comments and every youtube comment thing is just full of a bunch of fucking douchebag troll pussy assholes that would never probably say stuff to anybody's face like this and even if they would you're still just that's like in the political thing um you get on there, like somebody got on there and calls me a snowflake or whatever like that. And I'm like, you know, okay, you probably wouldn't say that to my face. And even if you were some big motherfucker that would, you're still just a, you're a dick. If you can't have a, a, a conversation without calling somebody a snowflake or a libtard or whatever, those are the people that are just fucking like trolls and they don't learn... You can tell they learn from this propaganda and this nastiness that you see on, like, like I said, like Fox News or something like that. If I call somebody a fascist, what I'm talking about is you 
it's a politician that um, wants to merge corporate power with military and police power um, that wants to suppress people that uses propaganda that uses violence through police and military power and or like thugs like the brown shirts did you know in the nazis the the brown shirts that were going and cracking heads with the fucking communist and the jews and stuff like that at first were just thugs they were street thugs and that reminds me of some of these dickheads that go along on the streets these days or that are online that are just they're just bullies and they're taught to be bullies by bullies like bill o'reilly sean hannity rush limbaugh and they're taught this nastiness and and what i'm saying about that is i had never heard the term snowflake before in my life and then all of a sudden every asshole right-wing dickhead online if you said something about uh the school systems or uh legalization of marijuana or the election or um voter fraud or whatever they come back with i've i had heard libtard before or when they say liberal and they would say it like that so much oh you're one of those liberals that they said it so much that they turned the word liberal into like a dirty word just by saying it so much or when instead of saying the democratic party frank luntz came up with this thing that said let's call him democrat you're the democrat party not democratic party you're the democrat party and the 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 idea behind that literally was democrat sounds like rat and if you say democrat you don't say the republic party you say the republican party you say the democratic party but they have this like nastiness and this when hillary clinton said the um the vast right-wing conspiracy watch those those documentaries i was talking about about the nastiness and the angriness the you know the anger and shit that and playing up to the fear and whether it's uh fear and prejudice and ignorance of the people that they are trying to manipulate these people are our brothers sisters co-workers family uh, and friends they're being manipulated to vote against their own interest by billionaires and you could say that on the left too now that's a false equivalence because one is just so outright piece of shit and I'm not talking about the people I'm because I think they are manipulated I'm talking about the manipulators now on the left the manipulation is going on because the left party the democrat liberal or not the liberal party but the democratic party itself the party has been manipulated to go right of center after citizens united with the massive influx of money by corporations to take that money everybody's being manipulated by the corporations you watch whether you watch msnbc nbc and all these even npr where they start getting this money or pbs the these corporate money is flowing in so they say 
we're going to um, do a story about uh, car accidents. But the oil companies say, well, you know, or about global warming. Well, okay, but one of the sponsors is Chrysler, so try and leave car emissions out of it. But anyway, these people are being manipulated on both sides. The one side is just pure thuggery. They're teaching people to be bullies. They're teaching people to hate. They're teaching people... Because these people are ignorant, and it's easy to sit in front of the TV and have these scumbag propagandist hate mongers like Ann Coulter, Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, Rush Limbaugh, and these fucking cocksuckers on there, fucking te- just playing on people's fear about race. Oh my God, you know. We're not going to be the majority. It's like South Africa, where, oh my God, the white majority, the white Christian majority, you are the majority. You are not a fucking minority, motherfucker. They're scared to death. Oh, all these illegal aliens, these uh, minorities are going to come in and they're going to fuck our daughters. And, oh, we're going to do it. And it's like, what the fucking hell? So anyway... Back to motorcycles. <laughs> How the fuck did I get off on that? But what I was going to say is uh, there's there's these people out there online. And how I got into this, I just remembered, was the you look at that GoPro, these GoPro things, and there's these nasty-ass people on this Babes Ride Out short film. And they're talking about, you know, calling all, all their bunch of dykes, a bunch of lesbians, a bunch of dykes. Look at them. They're a bunch of hipsters. They don't know how to ride. They don't know this. And these women are on there. They're awesome. Awesome, cool as shit ladies that are riding bikes that they love. Some of them are, are they fucking weld. They make their own fucking, you know, they, they customize their own bikes. They work on their own bikes when they break down. Fuck, I don't do that shit. I fucking had one welding class in my life and I wasn't good at it and I haven't done it since. But they get all this it's it's sexism because they're women and i said ladies you know i don't know see you know some people might say oh you know what's ladies or if i call somebody a girl or whatever but they're they're beautiful women inside and out that like what they do they want to get together and have fun they like the way they look you know you know people give even people in our groups and stuff shit about being hipsters and stuff like that you like what you like. You dress the way you want to dress. You know, who gives a shit? Not everybody's going to be like me and wear goddamn a t-shirt, a fucking pair of blue jeans and tennis shoes from the time they were like fucking five years old till they're 50, you know, and I've never, it never changed. I mean, you know, some people like fashion. They go from one thing to the next, but there's nothing wrong with that, man. I look back now and I see like how the Clash or the Ramones or David Bowie or whether it's Lady Gaga or fucking my partner on the show, fucking Loaf, you know, it's, they like the way what they like and they're cool because they like what they like and they do what they want to do and if that's what they like fuck it you know get online and put down hey fucking douchebag fucking piece of shit you fucking fag and these people that get online that's another thing that these these um, 
right-wing bullies fucking disgust me and piss me off about is like their homophobia is so sickening because um, if you are a liberal or you are a progressive um, or you are for protecting the environment and you like animals and you don't want to see animals tortured or hurt or killed for sport or um, the forest, you know, fucking cut and torn down the rainforest or the ozone or global warming, you're a, you're, you're, if you're a, a man, you're a fag. You know, oh, you liberal fag. You know, and, and it's like, what's one have to do with the other? Um, they, and that's based on ignorance, but there are people that are ignorant because they have never been around a African-American person. They've never been around a Jewish person or a Hispanic person or a Muslim person or an LGBT person. And that's their ignorance breeds fear. Um, And their parents and their grandparents that that where where they came from that segregation where and segregation bred ignorance because you weren't around these people you didn't go to school with them you weren't friends with them you may have some a little bit of an acquaintance but i'd never let my daughter i'd never if my son was this way i'd disown him and that kind of shit um somebody that you know is in just being intolerant and i've learned myself i mean i i grew up in west virginia and my dad's class was one of the first generations that started to be integrated and before that with my grandparents you know west virginia is considered it's always considered too north to be south too south to be north too east to be west too west to be east you know we're just kind of in the middle not in the middle of the country, but kind of in the middle of everything. But there's a lot of rednecks, and everybody knows that. And but blue collar people, and you're you're purposefully kept divided. And I've seen in my lifetime, I'm I'm a little bit older than some of uh, probably a lot of the people that listen to the show. But there's a lot of people that listen that are around my age or right around there. Um, in my lifetime, I have seen people become more tolerant. Become more tolerant. Because as each generation goes along, the ignorance goes away because you're together. Whereas the previous generations, you might not have worked with somebody who was Hispanic or somebody who was African American or you didn't know that somebody that you worked beside of was, you know, homosexual or whatever. And as the generations go along and through the media, the liberal media that tries to want everybody to be politically correct, and they say shit like that, there's nothing wrong. The reason that people want to be politically correct, and I know that there's a there's a part of that that goes to an extreme, but it's because p- 
people have been so politically incorrect for so goddamn long under your breath telling gay jokes or black jokes about black people or Pollocks or Italians or you know guineas or you know spicks or chinks or whatever you know using all those terms behind their back or with your when you're with your friends and you and you see a, a a woman over there and you're like being a real crude fucking sexist asshole going up and smacking a girl on the ass or or you know whatever or you know look at the tits on that or the wolf whistle you know god i remember sitting out there with my dad and his friends at the beach girl would walk by in a fucking bikini and i was a kid and this is like in the 70s and you get that you know that this wolf whistle like hey god damn look at that you know say that shit out loud and they're walking on the beach and you're up under the and it's like man that's you know i would never do that these days now you know of course on this show and stuff we we talk about like you know man i like to see jody foster and jennifer lawrence but it's more for a, a comedic thing and people you know i'm tr- you know trying to make people laugh and stuff but I think people have become more tolerant in my own family, hopefully. Some of that is, I hear words to that effect, but then I also hear shit that's kind of like, okay, man, what the, where the fuck's that coming from? Come on. You should, you know better than that. But also, um, you have this, I will say it, that vast right-wing conspiracy that wants to drag people back. They don't want to progress. They want to regress. They want to go back to the to the good old days. They want to take our country back. Okay, when was the good old days when uh, we hung black people for whistling at a white woman or looking at one? Or were the good old days before women could vote where their place was in the home having babies and they weren't worth man it was a man's world barefoot and pregnant and uh or when gay people had to hide because they could be arrested and put in jail for loving somebody or being attracted to somebody going back to the motorcycle thing okay <laughs> i'm taking it all back um with the hipster thing, there's a there's I, like I said the motorcyclist which w- would wear more of like a the prog- the the, uh, the protective gear, d- ride safe and this and that, you know maybe not ride a bike that has the real loud pipes and stuff like that. Then you have we we uh, Re- loaf and I reviewed a movie. Well, okay, the one movie was I think the I was talking about my tea, Catherine Bigelow, the Bigelow tea, which is her tea, uh, her family. Or maybe I think it's just her. Um, we reviewed the movie The Loveless with Willem Dafoe, with with the leather, you know, the black leather, and they were riding like Indian motorcycles or Harley Davidsons, the big old American motorcycles. That's one type, and that had a, a, a lot of um, um, gay undertones between Willem Dafoe and his his uh, gang. And it was there. I mean, it's specifically there. I mean, it was said that it was there. And like I said, even before when we reviewed that movie, that the the one the girl that Willem Dafoe ends up having sex with in the hotel, and they show him, and he's doing it from behind. And you know, I know some people always think. 
they're like, you know, is if they see somebody having sex with somebody from behind, whether it's doggy style or they're laying flat or something like that, they'll say, I've heard this a million times from, from women and from guys that I know. They're like, so-and-so in that movie was fucking her in the ass. Well, guess what? You can have sex with a woman from behind without it being anal. But Willem Dafoe is doing this girl who is underage. I think she's like 15. And she... When I said about Ellen Page looking like a boy and there's not a, a girl that's underage looks a lot more like a young boy. She has short hair like a young boy, like Ellen Page in um, Hard Candy. Also, he's like talking to her and she's trying to be tough and she, he's like, how, how old, you know, Willem Dafoe, how old are you? And she's like, 15. You know, because she's kind of like a tomboy. Um... Then you go from that to the movie, and one thing I was going to say: the different kinds of uh, bikers in movies. This might be a theme for the movie for the podcast: is like uh, Zom's biker movies and biker uh, style um, is cafe racing. And we reviewed the movie Leather Boys, which was a movie about caf- what they call cafe racers and cafe racing in. Um, England and this took place in like the 50s and it's it's made a huge resurgence in the last few years where um, the style people like that retro style and there for a while um, the old like even Honda Kawasaki Suzuki and um, Yamaha started making cruisers that looked like the old Harleys and Indian motorcycles that's what my cruiser kind of looks like that um, and the cafe racers are coming back, which are like that movie Leather Boys, which would be Triumphs and uh, BSAs and bikes like that. Where, um, and I'm not just talking about the motorcycle style, but also, um, and um, what's a, the Thruxton, which is um, Jesus Christ. Oh my God, what the fucking hell? I can't remember. <laughs> Is that Triumph, I think? There's another British bike that I'm forgetting. Oh, um God damn it, I was just on the tip of my tongue and I can't remember now. It's it's a smaller bike. Um shit. Um motherfucker. Yeah, motherfucker. Anyway, I'll never, I'll never remember it now. It'll come to me. But um, that cafe racer um, look—it's if you want, if you watch that movie Leather Boys um, and compare it, to, which was also a um, a movie that um, had the uh, gay um, theme, because uh, that movie in itself had I think if I remember because it was so long ago that I watched it was um, about two guys that were friends and they they had the motorcycle you know the they they did the cat the road the, you know hung out in the cafes and they would race their motorcycles and everything uh, the black leather and everything and the one guy I believe was gay the other guy had a girlfriend and they had that friendship which was a bromance 
for like the one guy it was like kind of more like a bromance he liked hanging out with the guys as like a what was the movie with um the iron cross i i prefer the company of men in every and all occasions say it say it Dietrich. say it um the one guy you know it was like kind of more like a bromance thing whereas the other guy it was a bromance thing but he actually loved his friend you know the style thing is different because the Willem Dafoe movie, uh, the big Catherine Bigelow movie, Loveless, they had the black leather um, kind of thing, which also morphs into the movie Cruisin', where there weren't any motorcycles, but the gay leather uh, bar situation, they a, a lot of the guys wore the... Um, the uh, motorcycle kind of black leather, the black leather chaps, the the hats that are kind of the leather um, 1950s motorcycle or Nazi SS kind of outlaw biker kind of look. Um, the um, movie Leather Boys, that look, which is the cafe racer look, is um, you, they you know would wear like the black leather. Or, you know, any kind of leather, because it's a motorcycle thing, you know, it protects you from, if you fall, it doesn't rip your skin off with the skin, with the road rash. But uh, the, the um, uh, like, kind of like knee-high boots with the leather pants tucked into the boots. And a lot of the time, and, and they wore like a, um, uh, a helmet that's sort of like a half helmet. It's like a, a 1950s motorcycle helmet with, go- with the goggles. But the bikes weren't like those big... Um, uh, American motorcycles, the big heavy like uh, military motorcycles, like the Harleys or the the Indians, they're the the BSA and the um, like Triumphs that are more of an upright position, um, and uh, are, and they they for the most part had the handlebars that were like racing handlebars that kind of go down and it makes you lean forward on the tank. Uh, because they would go to these to these cafes where everybody hung out, sort of like the the, the kids in America that would hang out at the cafes in like um, or uh, in uh, like American Graffiti. That's where they would meet the, uh, the the and have a milkshake, and they'd have the girls on the roller skates that would come out outside to bring you your order and shit in your car. Well, over there in um, in England, they didn't have all the kids didn't have cars. But it was cheaper. They, they a lot of them had uh, uh, would go by motorcycle. And there's a good documentary on uh, YouTube if you just put in Cafe Racers documentary, and it tells the whole history of cafe racing. And of course, you know they all had their motorcycles, and they would modify it, and they called it um, uh, getting the ton. Uh, getting a ton. Getting the ton meant uh, getting your bike to go 100 miles an hour. And these bikes were not these, you know. A lot of motorcycles these days go. You can go. My bike, my God, I can go 100 miles an hour on it, easy. Um, but these bikes were like um, 350s to probably like a, a 750, um, uh, which were smaller bikes. They're they're considered small bikes now. And what they what these guys these cafe racers would do, you know, they hung out at the at the at the cafe, you know, burgers and shakes and fries and stuff like that, or or. Uh, you know, uh, fish and chips in England or, you know, whatever. Um, and they would all hang out. They had that style. If you also watch um, Quadrophenia, a movie that uh, uh, Morris and I reviewed, um, 
you you'll see a lot about the cafe racers and against the um the um the mods i was going to say the hipsters but it's the mods uh and the mods were like a, a gang sort of like a, a loose knit gang of young kids that rode um like vespa scooters and uh if you ever see um quadrophenia uh that style uh of of um they the the, the mods dressed more in like a I want to say like a David Bowie style because I'm thinking about Sting, who was one of the mods. He was the bellboy, bellboy, the Who, you know, song. Um, they would dress in like suits because they wanted to look really dapper, like the like kind of like skinny suits. Um, and would uh, they? I remember seeing a lot of them wear like these these uh, like big um, like uh, like overcoats. Whether it was like a uh, a um, um, what you call it, like a khaki green um, uh, military like overcoat, or like a, a long like overcoat, like a like a businessman maybe would wear, and they dressed really nice, uh, a lot of pills and stuff like that. They go to parties and things like that. Whereas the 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 you, well, you had two different, I think, kind of motorcyclists probably in England at that time too. You would see the cafe racers, which you saw in. Um, in um, Leather Boys, but then uh, Ray Winstone plays a biker in, I think Quadrophenia, and he his look is more along the lines of the look of an a greaser, uh, sort of like Willem Dafoe in Loveless or um, Streets of Fire, Willem Dafoe in that where he played Raven Shattuck. Um, and then in the um, Australian uh, biker movie that Roger Ward was in, Jesus Christ, I'm drawing a complete blank. Um, shit, and I love that fucking movie because <laughs> it's so authentic. Um, hang on a second, people. Papal. I'll go to find this movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. How can I be so goddamn stupid? <laughs> I haven't seen it in so long. That's why I can't remember. I'm sorry. Sorry to Roger. Oh, my God. Where is it at? Fifi? Uh, well, of course, uh, you know, Mad Max. You had Goose. Uh, and and you had the, the, uh, the biker, you know, the motorcyclist in that, too. Um, that was a big thing. Where in the hell is this motherfucker at? Some bitch. I'm looking at the filmography, eh? Let's see. Chain reaction. Jumping to pedals. Turkey shoot. Give it Roger Ward a big uh, thing here by reading off. Uh, he was in Quigley Down Under? God damn it, I didn't know that. I'm just blathering on here. Now, God damn it. Mad Max. Man from Hong Kong. That's not it. All right, I'm getting off the beaten track. Uh, sorry, people. I, I fucking cannot remember that goddamn fucking movie. <laughs> shit! Shit, shit, shit! And I feel like a putz. Because I even have it, and I just I can't bring it up. I can't find it, because the only person I can remember in it that I remember off the top of my head is Roger Ward. And for some reason, it's not on his goddamn... Let me look on this other motherfucker. 
Son of a bitch. Let's see, Roger Ward. Good friend of the show, too. And I'm not, you know, love Roger. He's a cool cat. Uh, let's see here. I'm going back. I was on Wikipedia there. I should have went straight to, uh, what you call it? I imbedba. Imbedba. Oh, and and everybody that's listening to this right now, if anybody ever listens to it, is going to be saying over and over and over, because I used to do that to Gentleman's Guide when they could, uh, Stoner? Yeah, Stoner. Because Stoner was the name, or no, I'm sorry, Stone. Stoner was the goddamn movie with George Lazenby that Roger Ward was in, that I talked about. And then Stone was the one, because Stone was the name of the cop who wore the fucking horrendous white like fucking pants and shit and then got hip and joined but anyway the, what i was going to say about that is um the australian okay of course goose and mad max wore the police gear and he rode a racing bike and uh when i talked to roger ward um i was asking him about you know um you know mad max and of course about stone and uh, him riding motorcycles himself in his personal life but also on stone and um you know he told me he said you know in australia um they mostly rode the japanese bikes and you know he mentioned the kawasaki which he called a kawaki which i thought was funny and you know these big powerful bikes you know uh the 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 japanese bikes um where and and those guys in that movie stone they were more like a, a, a outlaw motorcycle gang would be in the united states but the outlaw motorcycle gangs in the united states as, as the caucasian gangs i should say uh ride um only usually harley davidson's but i the reason i preface that is because i have seen african-american mcs or motorcycle clubs that ride uh crotch rockets and japanese bikes and I have seen, uh, well, shit, hell, probably just about anything if you can get a group of people together. And uh, if you want to call yourself an MC, you got to watch because uh, you, if you're in an area, there were some around here. The pagans were big in West Virginia and around this area for a long time. And then they, a uh, whole shitload of them got arrested in, I think, the 70s and went to jail. And so they kind of disappeared. I'd see like one every once in a while when I would go out working in the bar or hanging out in the bar chasing pushy, pushy galore. Um, and I think they're kind of making a little bit of a resurgence, but I have heard of some young guys. You know, of course, they watch Sons of Anarchy, the TV show. And um, they said, hey, we'll start our own MC. Well, they started this MC. And uh, there's some people that did not like it. And uh, if you are in an area that is considered the turf of an MC and you start wearing your cuts or collars or whatever, and you have a rocker that says, you know, that says the name of your fucking club and at the bottom, you can get the living shit beat out of you and have that ripped off of you and get beaten down pretty fucking bad. So anyway, you have the Australian biker kind of a thing, which I'm going from Stone. Like I said, the the, the and, that, and that again is an MC 
that was portrayed in Stone, which is more like a, like I said, like an American outlaw motorcycle gang. Now, like Hell's Angels and some of the, I think it's like Hell's Angels, Banditos, uh, Outlaws, and uh, Pagans are like the four big ones here. And I know Hell's Angels, and I believe a couple of the other ones have went international. They have clubs in Europe and I think Japan maybe too. Not sure. Um, but you have that style there, but you also have people in Australia because I've seen some adventure touring, adventure biking uh, in Australia, in New Zealand, in Japan. Uh, I've seen it in South America, across Canada, um, across Russia, Mongolia, um, through Africa and India. And uh, there's all kinds of people everywhere um, riding all kinds of bikes and even riding scooters. I've seen adventure tourer guys that rode, that ride like 125 Honda scooters from like the 1970s from fucking Alaska to goddamn fucking um, uh, the tip of Argentina or, you know, or whatever. Um, But everybody's portrayed in in movies and films like Steve McQueen fucking riding, you know, the Triumph uh, in um, The Great Escape and Bud Eakins actually jumping it over the over the barbed wire and Steve McQueen was really cool about that he did the uh, some of the riding in the great escape um including chasing himself on a triumph uh they they made one triumph uh look like a the a german motorcycle and Steve McQueen was wearing a german uniform chasing Steve McQueen on a triumph you know, uh, diff- different shots. He was chasing himself. You didn't know it. Um, but th- he actually gave credit to Bud Eakins, who was his buddy uh, and a stuntman and a great, uh, a legendary, you know, motorcyclist, uh, racer and everything. Um, uh, McQueen said, no, on national TV, he said, that wasn't, you know, that was not me that jumped that, that, uh, that bike over the barbed wire. That was uh, Bud Eakins. Um, but and there's some other like uh i i know that like um harley davidson the motorcycle company actually um was uh, like almost going under um and their bikes when i was talking about evil knievel the george hamilton movie and then the actual evil knievel uh the real evil Knievel made a movie called viva knievel where he played himself and it was kind of like a um a movie where somebody kidnaps somebody's daughter or something like that, and he's doing all this shit, and he's like an action star. And then there was a documentary out just not that long ago about Evil Knievel that was on, uh, I think, on iTunes. Uh, this was really good. But um, at that time, when Evil Knievel was jumping those bikes and stuff, uh, he he was jumping a Harley Davidson. It was like a, uh, I think, a, like a 750 dirt track bike. Um, and um, the bikes weren't made very well at that time um they had went like public and um but the point i was going to make was the reason that harley davidson had such a resurgence was because of hollywood uh i remember like Cher and arnold schwarzenegger and fucking sylvester stallone and all these all these really famous 
uh, movie stars, famous people, start you started seeing them at, at, at all these events and in magazines and stuff, writing Harley Davidsons. And then it, it got... And at one time before, with Harley Davidson, you didn't have, like, all this um, fashion. And then when all the movie stars, including female movie stars, started writing... It became a thing to... It's like when WrestleMania first came about. And it was cool when you had, like, Andy Warhol and Cyndi Lauper and all these movie stars going to WrestleMania. And WWF was the cool thing to do at the time, just for a brief time. Uh, It crossed over and everything into pop culture. That's sort of how the motorcycle thing went. And Hollywood was a big big part of it, uh, of the resurgence. And then... Uh, like WWF, WWE, um, WWE started selling T-shirts and all this merchandise. Well, Harley Davidson, on the back of all these movie stars riding Harley Davidsons and it becoming a resurgence, started putting out Harley Davidson helmets, Harley Davidson T-shirts, Harley Davidson uh, jackets, gloves, they have Harley Davidson boots, they have Harley Davidson mugs, they have Harley Davidson posters, Harley Davidson toys for your kids. And it became it's become almost like a um a fashion statement for a certain type of people that want to project a certain image. Like uh you see the movie another movie reference cuz I don't want you to think I'm just going off on motorcycle stuff that nobody gives a shit about which you probably don't anyway. But um the movie Wild Hogs with John Travolta and I think Martin Lawrence and I can't remember who the other there was a couple people in that um was about people that wanted to project that biker look like they were all businessmen middle-aged guys going through like the like it, the change, not the change of life, but like uh, going through menopause, and uh, so they all go buy Harley Davidsons and get these black leather outfits and want to look like badasses riding, you know, and everything. And that's a certain certain look, you know. You actually have the real the real deal guys, the one percenter outlaw guys, but then you have the the the, the guys that want to go out and spend the money on a and Harley Davidsons are expensive. I mean, Jesus Christ, they're like five six thousand dollars more expensive to buy a comparable bike that would be a kawasaki honda uh or or uh yamaha or or suzuki um but it's a big thing you know and hollywood was a big part of that um on the other side of the pond another movie another movie that I think about when I, you know, uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, talked about England with the cafe racers, Australia with um, some of the um, um, outlaw motorcycles like in Stone, Uh, Australia with the uh, racing fast motor uh, police motorcycles like Goose and Mad Max, Um, and guys like um, Ewan McGregor, Charlie Borman, whose dad John Borman did Deliverance and Zardoz and all these movies, doing the adventure tour thing, making that popular with Long Way Around, Long Way Down, uh, really good shows uh, that not only have motorcycle adventure, but show different cultures as they go to 
like I said, Mongolia. They're in Russia, worrying about the mafia, trying people trying to rob them. Uh, long way down, where they go from uh, uh, Joan of Groats um, uh, all the way to um, the tip of Africa, and uh, you know, and all that's the the shit that goes on there. And uh, Charlie Borman, again the son of John Borman, who was the kid in the John Borman movie movie Emerald Forest with Powers Booth um, and has been in other movies um, also had a um, a documentary show called The Race to, D- uh, to Dakar uh, or Dakar <laughs> the Dakar Rally um, which is an- another really good one um, but another thing I was thinking about was Japan and I've talked about Japanese motorcycles um, like I said that uh, they rode in stone and uh, also Goose the motorcycle he rode in Mad Max um, but other uh, Japanese motorcycles I was thinking about actually in Japan it, uh, and and like I said a, a, a lot of the um, African American um, actual MCs uh, in the United States they ride like crotch rockets and that's uh, uh, um, oh man these glasses are killing my ears well actually the headphones are killing my glasses or killing my pushing my glasses in my ear killing. but in Japan the, the movie that I, I think about is um, Black Rain which Will and I from Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema who bring class to trash since what like 1977 holy shit um, a movie near and dear to our heart uh, because of Andy Garcia and uh, and uh, Michael Douglas's uh, bromance, babe. Uh, here's looking at you, babe. Uh, hey, babe. Uh, and uh, Michael Douglas doing his kind of um, hard ass, sort of a dirty Harry. And speaking of motorcycles in movies, in Magnum Force. Clint Eastwood, well, of course, uh, David Soule, Robert Urich, and the other guy, who I cannot remember his name, that were the um, the bad uh, fascist death squad police officers. Uh, again, bringing it back to some of the things that were, seem like we're going to in this country. Are not riding um, Harley Davidsons. The, the police motorcycles look like the, the big Harley hogs. Um, those motorcycles, I believe, are Moto Guzzi's, um, which they use in San Francisco. Let me look that up just so I'm not lying to you. Magnum Force Motorcycles. Yes. Uh, they are Motoguzzi's Eldorados, and um, another um, Jesus Christ motorcycles. This is I'm going down a rabbit hole here, people. Um, Clint Eastwood in Coogan's Bluff. I believe those are Triumphs. That him and uh, Clint Eastwood and Don Stroud uh, go on a um, a uh, chase in. Um, uh, like I think it's like Central Park. Clint is like an Arizona policeman, out, fish out of water in New York. Don Stroud, who was excellent in that, is kind of a hopped up uh, uh, criminal that he's on the on the chase. 
and uh, they're riding triumphs, which is like uh, like I said, uh, Steve McQueen in Great Escape. But in Black Rain with Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia, um, the motorcycle stuff that you see in America, and my cousin, my cousin Jim, who uh, passed away, um, he always rode Harley Davidsons. And we were talking about that movie one day at a, at a funeral home. I think I don't know if this is like where my grandma died. I can't remember or where my grandpa died. And we were talking about motorcycles. And this was before I rode. And I just wanted to learn to ride. And I didn't think I could ever learn. I was like, oh, nobody's ever teach me. And and my mom and dad would never, you know, oh, it's dangerous and everything. Um, we were talking about Black Rain. And at the at the beginning of Black Rain, Michael Douglas pulls up in all black leather. He's got the uh, the 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 badass American biker look. You know, leather jacket, smoking a cigarette, he's got like the aviator sunglasses and shit and he pulls up and he's got the black half helmet and, you know, being cool and he's riding a Harley Davidson and they show up like under a bridge or something like that and all these guys are hanging out and they must meet like uh, every Saturday or Sunday or something, Sunday morning and it was rainy and shit and, um, they must meet there. It's almost like the cafe racing thing in um, in uh, Leather Boys or in the documentaries I was talking about, where they meet and everybody wants to, you know, they they test themselves, uh, like uh, they race each other. You know, of course you get guys in fast cars or like in American Graffiti, uh, they want to they want to race each other. And Michael Douglas challenges this guy, this young guy who's got the full leather gear, protective gear, and the full face helmet and everything. He's riding like a a crotch rocket and i told my my uh, cousin uh jim we were talking about that and i said something about um um michael douglas and and he had seen the movie and i didn't know he'd seen it and he goes he goes he goes oh, it's a good movie he gets this bunch of bullshit and i said what do you mean he goes there's no fucking way that that harley davidson could even come close to keeping up he said even if he said maybe he goes Maybe if they had like some kind of nitrous system or something like that, maybe. But th- those crotch rockets are so light and so fucking fast, and they are fast like, bam, you know. I mean, they're racing bikes made for the street, like a super, super sport. Uh, he said, "There's no way that Michael." Di- and and in the movie, to give to give him, uh, uh, I don't know, make excuses, I guess for it. The the way that Michael Douglas wins is like something happens and the and the the guy on the crotch rocket has to lay it down I think and Michael Douglas like rides his bike over like something and leaps it it goes through the air and lands there but then when they get to Japan of course all the bikes over there that they're riding the the um it's like a the the the, the drug dealing gang it's really cool because they have like the when we were kids and we rode our huffy uh, like uh, bicycles. Uh, there was a point in time where the city started an ordinance, and they said you had to have like a this flag. It was on like this really big, tall, bendable um, fiberglass pole that you bolted to the to the back uh, axle of your um, a frame of your bicycle, and it had like a blaze orange like flag on it, so cars would see you because you know you'd be riding on the street and stuff. And uh, that's kind of like what they have on the on the motorcycles in Black Rain, um, the 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 uh, the bad um, the bad guys, the 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 Japanese uh, gang, and they're all riding these crotch rockets. I mean, when they get Andy Garcia in like that um, 
parking garage and they're like going around him. It's almost like, uh, you know, Indians circling the settlers and they're, you know, and it just revving the engines real high, making just a shitload of noise. And of course, the one guy comes at him like a, almost like a mat, a bull with a matador and, um, has drags that's iconic or i'd say iconic for me it's iconic drags that samurai sword along the ground and it's making the sparks and fucking gets andy garcia but the one thing that 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 um i was just just came to me and i'm just babbling on like a motherfucker and i'm going to end it here in just a few minutes uh i had no earthly idea that i was going to get off on this motorcycle and hollywood movies fashion hipster uh, whatever <laughs> rant and the politics thing that came into it, but anyway, I'm ranting. Some of you people like when I rant about stuff. I don't know. Um, the uh, another movie thing that this reminds me of is uh, the 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 Asian uh, baddies that kind of almost look like more like almost like punk rockers on their crotch rockets that are menacing um, uh, Andy Garcia and of course Michael Douglas. Um, they have the like those flag. They have like these flags that come off off the backs of their bikes, and I've never seen that before. But it must have been a thing over there at, at that time. And what it reminds me of is this um, Japanese samurai movie called Heaven and Earth. And when the samurais were riding their horses, and they ride in like almost like a uh, cavalry formation. If you think about like the old John Ford uh, westerns, like she wore a yellow ribbon. Um, that, that are like cavalry movies where, or um, even like the Charge of the Light Brigade uh, cavalry in England uh, with like uh, Waterloo and stuff like that. Um, they, those samurai that were on horseback had like these flags, that these blaze orange, or not blaze orange, but like red uh, flags on these poles on on the on their horses. And when they're riding, they're just flapping and it just was like a really visually spectacular looking thing uh that's a movie i recommend i don't know if that many people have seen it or not it's called heaven and earth there is a um of course a tommy lee jones uh movie and i think it was like the uh, the um kind of like the trilogy oliver stone you had uh what was it what were they it was a uh, you had Platoon, Heaven and Earth, and I thought there was another Oliver Stone movie. Was it, um, did he do the Tom Cruise movie, Born on the Fourth of July, maybe? But this movie is called Heaven and Earth, and it's a 1990 film uh, directed by Haruki Kadokawa and starring Enoki uh, Takaki uh, Tsugawa. Masahiko Asano Atsuko and Zezen Naomi, I guess. Uh, and it's uh, I really like it. I have it on VHS. Saw it a long time ago. And it's sitting on my shelf. Haven't watched it in a while. Let me check on Born. Born on the Fourth of July film. I think that might. Yeah, that was okay. That was the trilogy. Was. Born on the Fourth of July, Platoon, and Heaven and Earth with Tommy Lee Jones, which was a really good movie. Tommy Lee Jones is in it, but um, it's actually um, it's actually from uh, the standpoint of a um, of a uh, 
a Vietnamese lady um, let me look it up here real quick um, that ah shit fuck you Wikipedia in the butt um, well maybe not in the butt maybe it's vaginal because just because you're from behind and you can have anal sex with somebody if they're laying on their back <laughs> I don't know how I know that uh, let's see here Where's the goddamn son of a bitch? Heaven and Earth. I looked it up five times and it just kept bringing up the Samurai fucking movie. Heaven and Earth, right there. It is 1993. Uh, I I keep saying Tommy Lee Jones. He is in it, but he... And and like I said, he is um, a big part of the movie, but Joan Chen is actually the the star she has the most screen time and it's a it's all about her character and i I really like that movie too i thought it was pretty good but anyway people i just want to get something out to you um we uh, kind of babbled i haven't even checked to see if this was recording it is we're giving you another three hour one here like i said i just kind of wanted to go over what i had been watching but i did get off on a an an unscheduled tangent uh tried to keep it all tied into um, movies, uh, even the political stuff with the documentaries I've watched, and with, uh, like I said, John Hurt uh, passing away in 1984, and uh, V for Vendetta. Uh, some of the documentaries I've watched kind of tie that in with some of the political rant. Uh, the motorcycles, yeah. I mean, I, I just have been watching a lot of those uh, uh, YouTube, uh, some of them, like I said, they're short films uh and short films are films too i mean they get oscar nominations and shit um uh but on youtube uh there's a lot of really cool motorcycle stuff on there there's probably some stuff about uh movies and motorcycles i know there's some stuff with ewan mcgregor uh also like i said some documentaries about the cafe racing and you can watch that and tie it in with leather boys which was i i was a really good good movie um the one thing I was going to say was uh, when I was talking about Monica uh, Bellucci and um, Jodie Foster, um, again, I have said this before, I think, on the podcast, and maybe it's because of my age. Um, you know, of course, I know a lot of guys these days, you know, it's the MILF thing. They dig the MILF thing, even the young guys, you know, wanting to get with hot MILF. And when I was young, my God, you know, whether it was my, you know, my neighbor laying out in the summer in her bikini or something like that. Yeah, you always wanted the, the hot older woman. But I see like even whether it's some of these fitness models that I, I follow that are on Instagram, have their stuff on, um, was it Sarah Underwood? She was on uh, Attack of the Show. I guess she was on there when Olivia Munn was making a movie or was sick or something like that. Never heard of her before in my life because I didn't watch the show. I think I remember her being on there and thinking, ah, this girl's not as cool, not as hot or as cool as Olivia Munn, which some people fucking hate Olivia Munn. It's like the goes to the cosplay thing. If you post a picture of a really hot chick dressed like Sue Storm or Scarlet Witch or something, you know, on the comic book group, and that caused a huge fucking blow up and people leaving the group and people getting banned from the group for giving me shit. Oh, that girl, she fucking doesn't know shit about comics. She just fucking dressed like that cause just to get attention. They go to these things just to get attention. And my thing about that is this. You may be right, but you know what? 
you may be prejudging somebody just like you hate somebody prejudice prejudging you might be prejudging somebody too uh mila jovovich loves video games she plays video games forever with her little brother and knows all of them and plays she's a gamer but somebody might be like she doesn't know shit about fucking video games some hot chick that is dressed in cosplay stuff that looks really hot you might fucking go off and say we don't need this shit on here she probably doesn't know you know what you may be fucking wrong and but what I was going to say was going back to what what I was talking about with uh, Monica Bellucci Jodie Foster whoever um, and I was thinking about Jean Moreau in, when we were talking about Leather Boys we did I think that with uh, Quirrell maybe I can't remember but um um, I was thinking about Jean Moreau and, uh, you know, each man kills the things he loves, taking it back, all the way back to old silver and gold days. But um, I see some of those young girls, like I said, like Sarah Jean Underwood, and she's so fucking hot. And her, uh, I specifically like the, the pictures she puts on Instagram where, you know, of course she looks just stunning, you know, her body and everything, and she's just a beautiful girl. And I say girl because I'm 51 now, <laughs> and she's very young. Um, I think she's very attractive, but also I was watching Henry Rollins on, um, I think it was on Howard Stern maybe, and he had a really good show, uh, interview show that he did on uh, uh, IFC where he interviewed like one of the good interviews with, with uh, Werner Herzog. Um some things that Henry Rollins, I like him because he um, seems to be a kind of... First of all, he's a cool guy. Uh, he seems like a smart guy who educates himself. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. He pisses me off sometimes because of he, he spouts off about what he thinks is cool and who's not cool, and they may be somebody that I really like. And I'm just like, you know what? Eh, but you know what? That's his opinion. I I don't mind it because I guess, you know, if I put myself in other people's shoes, they probably hear me saying somebody's a douchebag or, you know, Matt Damon's a pumpkin head or Ben Affleck's, you know, or Mark Wahlberg or something like that. Um, So, you know, whatever. Reap what you sow, so shall you reap. But um, Henry Rollins was talking about, he he brought his, uh, I think, agent in or the the woman that... um, uh, kind of books him and keeps him on track on schedule that goes with him and I think she was 20 maybe 28 years old or something and Stern was like you know man she's and she was very attractive and he was saying something about you ought to get with her you ought to get and he was like man he goes you know I'm 50 years old and she's 28 and he was like, you know, I have to remind myself you know even though I may be attracted, I can appreciate her beauty. Um, I'm so much older and what would we have to talk about and not sticking his foot in his mouth because Howard Stern is of course however old he is now I'm not sure but his second wife is you know my god what is like 30 years younger than him Uh, and I don't think he was realizing that he was kind of sticking his foot in his mouth but I kind of feel the same way where I even at work or you know just going to the mall or you know going to the store or whatever and seeing a beautiful young girl and I'm like oh my god but then when I look at her um 
I'm like, oh, God, she looks like a kid to me now. And so when I see like Monica Bellucci or Jean Moreau in some, you know, you know, of course, older movies, because she's like, I don't even, she's still alive now. Um, Or even like, like I said, Jodie Foster or something like that. I find myself, I guess, very attracted, but also because, you know, it's somebody that's my age and somebody that's, um, I don't know. Like I said, I, it's weird because when you are in your 20s and you see somebody that's 20 or even in your 30, you know, you see somebody that's 20 and you think, but now younger people are starting to look like kids to me. And maybe it's because I have a nephew and a niece that are, you know, 18, 19 years old or whatever, or something like that. But, um, the classic beauties, you know, like, you know, like I said, you know, God, I grew up watching Jodie Foster in like Disney movies and Taxi Driver and, and, uh, let me see how old she is. I'm going to check these women out. Cause I want to see, like I said, I don't think I'm going to ever have the chance with Jodie Foster or Monica Bellucci, but definitely not Jodie Foster because she's not interested. Uh, so what a, she's an excellent actress. She's 54, so she's even older than me. I would be the younger guy. Uh, or if, if I was a woman, the younger woman. Um, let's see. Monica Bellucci. Oh, God, she's so beautiful. 52. Okay, I could get with Monica Bellucci, and now that her and Vincent Casal has split up, she's probably remarried. Some Somebody that good-looking, does not stay single. Ah. Uh, Dig it. Uh, met French actress, actor Vincent, Vincent Casal uh, while filming The Apartment. Haven't seen that. Need to see it. Uh, they were married in 1999. Have two daughters. They announced their separation in 2013. Oh, I forgot she was in The Passion of the Christ. And she's agnostic. That's a plus. Let's see. Even though I respect, I respect and interested in all religions. Ah, I think she's still single too. So I need to get on that. Where she live? <laughs> anyway, people, I'm gonna get off here. I'm going off on all this stuff. I'm I'm lusting for Monica Bellucci. Um, so this is Zomcast. Sylvan Gold Zomcast. This is not episode 200. Um, we had planned that, and I got fucking sick. We actually watched Adolph and a Silva. I purposefully did not put those two on my list because I'm sure when we we definitely want to do a, an episode 200, um, you know, and uh, hopefully get back on track. I was hoping to get back on track. But like I said, I mean, it just was awful. I got that fucking, got sick, and I had that sinus infection, and, and, you know, just sick as a goddamn dog. And then I've had jury duty, like I said, Jesus Christ, from like October all the way to, I missed a fucking week of jury duty. And I thought I was going to get held in contempt of court, but they said, no, if you're sick, you don't have to come. So anyway, we will get back on track. We'll be bringing you that that Dolph and um, Silva movie. Uh, hopefully I'll uh, talk to Loaf here shortly when I tell him that I'm putting this in the old Dropbox and he'll get it produced and put up there for you. Uh, this will tide you over until episode 200, but this has been uh, 
I don't know what episode of uh, Silver and Gold. This is like the Midnight Ride, but I call it Zomcast. It's a special edition of uh, solo edition of Silver and Gold podcast, and we'll be getting back to you. And hopefully, you guys will like this, and uh, we will talk to you later. Okay, this is a Zom ut. Ciao, bella. Thank you.